The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. <laughs> I am your host, Rydicat. You can find me at Rydicat on, on Twitter. You can find me at News Notes Need on Twitter. You can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. South Carolina with Columbia down the way. And the sound effects that you've heard come from none other than our man in Brooklyn, one agent underscore 70 on Twitter and, and Instagram. You're reliable as ever, co-host people. What's up? Hello, Brooklyn! I was about to say, whoever said you were unreliable, I don't know, I don't know who those people are. Oh, actually, oh, that was something I forgot to ask you about uh, before the show, but um, we, we'll have a... Might have a little surprise at the end of the show, folks. Um, but yes, this is the Comic Book Chronicles. You can find us at the CSPN.us. That's the Comic Book. That's the Cold Slither Podcast Network. Do it today. You can also find us on your podcast brutal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Cold Slither Podcast Network SoundCloud page. I don't have a knife. How about that? Uh, you can also find us recording every Thursday night, 9.30-ish Eastern Standard Time uh, on The Click Nation's uh, YouTube channel. That's uh, youtube.com slash The Click Nation and twitch.tv slash comic book chronicles. Make sure to hit like and subscribe and uh, click the notification button, please. Five-star reviews all the way. Yeah. Um, I should get off Twitter. Anyway, uh, folks, we are going to get into a little spoiler light, spoiler, very much free, um, recap of this week's She-Hulk. That is episode four, which is entitled, uh, <clears throat> is this not real magic? Are you not entertained? <laughs> Apparently that audience, uh, was not. <laughs> <laughs> Very much was not. So we actually uh, have decided we're we're not going to go through a blow by blow. Which, granted, we've been not doing anyway because you know the show comes out on the day we record, so we're giving people, folks, right. you know, giving folks time to uh, watch the show and experience it for themselves. Right. So. Last week was a was an exception because of different, you know, because of changes in our schedule. We had and we ended up recording on a Saturday, so we were more free to discuss uh, more spoiler details to right. that week's episode of She-Hulk. But, you know, with uh, with this week being a, a regular timely episode, it's a little different. So uh, without 
really spoiling everything, we get a pretty interesting nickname given to Wong by a very interesting cameo or guest appearance by a new character who may become a recurring character depending on how how well received uh, this character is. But ultimately, there are two uh, plots in this episode. Um, the first one is uh, kind of a fake out because uh, previous or prior to the, the, the airing of this episode, it had been revealed that there was a character named Donnie Blaze, Mm-hmm. coming uh, into the She-Hulk universe. And there was a lot of speculation that this was, in fact, Johnny Blaze, the, uh, the, the, the ghost, the main ghost rider that most people know. But in fact, it's just a, uh, you know, it's a character with a, a similar sounding name. And ultimately, um, this character has a very different background. And um, it's a character who, uh, without spoiling too much, uh, treads very lightly in the realm of real magic and that is the source <laughs> of the title of this episode he treads very lightly and you know the, for for legitimate reasons uh but somehow i guess they don't do very much of an inventory and commentage i'll leave it at that yeah apparently not because uh which they don't even get into that part because of what you know uh but uh but yes this um I don't want to call him a full-on sham of a magician, but let's just say he is not very... He's not very good at his job. <laughs> well, I think what it what ends up happening is, you know, and, and because of the, the ties that I mentioned to Kamartage, I would say <clears throat> without spoiling that he knows the difference. True. And he's not very good at doing uh, the illusions that bring in, that, that entertain. Right. He has you know, the potential, actually, because, I mean, they, they clearly showed he, he has potential and, you know, and he does have more ties to he does have direct ties to Carmitage. So, right. So, exactly, there is, exactly. so, so it's not like he does not have any kind of potential. It's just that uh, he's some would say squandered it or possibly was probably not that good even there. Right. <laughs> right. It may have may have flunked out quickly. We'll right. put it that way. <laughs> yeah. So ultimately, one of the other. The other kind of main storyline is uh, uh, Jen Walters trying to uh, find love in the Marvel Universe. Yeah, the big And plot. being unsuccessful with it until she opts to show another side of herself. Yes. To which, uh, as, as one would expect, tends to, well, has uh, gotten more hits. <laughs> right. Let's just and and brings in a different, a different type of person. We'll put it that way. Yeah. You know? So, so yeah, so so we see so we see the B plot being Jen, Jen's uh, dating life and the A plot being this whole thing with Wong and this other quote unquote magician. Um, both, you know, it's a fun episode in, in both respects, and they don't well even when they kind of come together, you know, for a little bit of action. It's uh, mm. it's it's amusing, uh, right? So. So. Right. We do get, uh, believe it or not, we do get um, another appearance by uh, cousin Larry Appleton, or Appleton, yes. um, uh, aka uh, Jennifer Walters' dad, Morris. Um, we also 
have a, a stinger at the end. I want to remind everyone that there is, in fact, a stinger at the end of the episode. So you should, in fact, stay um, for that. And the stinger is, um, interestingly, and I didn't realize this because I wasn't really looking at what was on the screen. <laughs> but I didn't realize that this is something that I that I have watched so you know, I'm admittedly, going, so right. you so, know, a, a big tough guy here. I have watched this show, but I also <laughs> didn't realize that. Well, there there is there is a show at the beginning, which yeah. made me laugh because you recognize if you if you've watched the show, you recognize the theme song, and I'm kind of surprised that HBO lent uh, you know gave its blessing uh, for this. You know, this kind of mini crossover because you know HBO is kind of like a w, you know kind of like a WB thing. Right, I'm but, sure they're happy about it. You know, I'm sure. I'm sure for cross, you know, for for promotion, right? Right. So here's why I want to stop and say this, because uh, this is and this is probably a spoiler that's probably necessary, but not necessarily because I mean it's, it's, it's an old show. Both of these are well, one's older than the other. But... Oh, I was about to say the one. Yeah, I was about to say the one that uh, the one that that's in the tag <laughs> is actually, and I didn't realize I wasn't looking that closely at it. Right. I assumed it was one thing. Right. Uh, well, no, uh, is that yeah? That one's not as old as the other one I'm about to mention. But oh yeah, the, yeah, exactly. The one, the one that, <laughs> the one that's in the stinger is actually just ended. So, right. but uh, but yeah, go ahead. So all I was going to say is, if you let's say if you are one of those people who were like, hey, I haven't seen the Sopranos or are currently going to the uh, through the Sopranos and are still in the early episodes, you may not may maybe not want to watch this episode just yet. Listen, I was very glad. <laughs> To be one of those folks that finally took the di- the took the the plunge on the Sopranos at the beginning of the pandemic, mm-hmm. that was like kind of first on my list of hey, I'm stuck at home, I should binge watch something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot. So and so was a lot of people. So yeah, I'm sure right. you're you're definitely not alone in that one. Right. So you know, I was I was like, oh, I'm queuing up HBO Max. So <laughs> so yeah, but as far as the one the show in the Stinger. Uh, let's just say that one wasn't, I don't think there was anything spoiler in that, but let's just say it's the biggest, it's the big tearjerker, uh, event television show in the last, say five, six years. Yeah. Yeah. You know what that is. Yeah. I'm a guilty fan. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I hear it's really good. I just can't bring myself to to do it. I'm a guilty, guilty fan. (laughs) Big tough guy right here. Hey, you know, but hey, shows you got range, you got emotion, so there ain't nothing wrong with that. So, but um, yeah, I hear how good the show is, and I was like, I can't. I hear what they keep going through with those with that show. I'm like, no, I'm not doing it to myself. I'm not doing that. No, it has nothing to do with being big and tough. It's just like, no, I don't need that. Life is already tough. <laughs> but anyway, but that's but that I say all that to say that yeah, like I said, the the Sopranos thing, the uh, the Sopranos kind of shows up, and there is a there is a. a a spoiler for early season, uh, style, season seasons of, um, I would say he's particularly where, but I just, just do use of it. I want to say, say I want to say it's within the first two seasons or three yes. seasons. I believe it's two, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but yeah, that's the case. Otherwise that she Hulk was another fine, fun episode. You know, we got another appearance of Wong and as Jen says, everybody loves Wong. Cause yes. Um, Oh, so this so it's what this is what Wong was watching, and I just didn't recognize. Right. It. I didn't look closely at the screen because Wong <clears> was watching this when Donnie Blaze appears for help. So now I'm yes. going to go back 
Now I'm going to go back and take a look at it, and I'm going to recognize it. <laughs> right, and, and in this because I believe, yeah, at, yeah, then and the Stinger, he was watching that, and then the Sopranos right. was was we was watching the, at the beginning. Oh right. man, Wong, I know, I know how you feel, man. <laughs> yeah, he was too through. <laughs> <laughs> so something, something, ha- and so which I guess I will say this part because this is what brings us to the the spoilers on that because Wong got spoiled on something which. So that's there is that. <laughs> it, I, I felt so bad for him too because he just he looked just totally just like, ah, man. Um, but nevertheless, yeah, our possible breakout char- character in uh, Madison with a Y and two N's. Um, aside in Jen's uh, Jen's uh, dating profile, they like which I almost thought there was going to be something else going on with that. Especially with what happened at the end of um, last episode with the Wrecking Crew, you know, but mm. it, it hasn't been said that uh, it has anything to do with that. It was just something, yeah. It was just her going through her name, which I want to say also might possibly be something that was out of the comics. If it hasn't, I, I would be shocked that if, if it doesn't, because I, I feel like I have seen a scene that happens to her and, and her her last date. In the comics, but I couldn't tell you which one. So, gotcha. Uh, and even if it wasn't, hey, I, I, you know, at a certain point, I wouldn't be surprised if that wasn't the case. <laughs> like I said, I, I feel like, uh, oh wait, yes, it was the. I want to say it was the supermodel dude that was possibly in Slots Run. So, because a lot of this show is taken from Slots Run, so I want to say that might be where this a, a similar situation happened. But with not, the dating stuff. Yeah, with the particular the, the last date, but not in nowhere near the same. There, there was something that happens at the end of this episode that kind of reminded me of the, a similar thing that happened to her. In the gotcha, episode. gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Where, where, where uh, the Jen Walters right all dichotomy doesn't exactly work well. Yes, got so, it, got it, got it, got it. Okay, but other than that, like that, it's a fun show. Um, good times. You should definitely watch it. But like I said, if you if you're if you're going through the Sopranos early season, you may want to get past this, get past season two before you uh, before you watch this. Right, and 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 if you do happen to watch this as us, they don't spoil anything. They just show scenes. Right. And if you so are watching This Is Us, more power to you. <laughs> hey, listen, I like the show. No, I'm not saying. I'm, like, I'm not saying. I know. Bad, I'm, just I saying, I, I'm just saying. You yeah, know? you you you're a better person than that because I can't. Like from what I've because <laughs> I know when that show was coming out and I was on Twitter, you know, when the the, the night it would come out and people were talking about it, it was like, why are y'all putting yourselves through this? <laughs> why? <laughs> Oh, but hey, you know anyway. what? But but you know what? Good television does that to you. So you know, exactly, so it's a, exactly. It's exactly. a good thing. Now we're going to push on. I believe Agent Seventy said he was going to kind of briefly talk about uh, Rings of Power. No, no, House of the Dragon. House of the Dragon. Because okay, Rings, so. right. Rings of Power, as I was, as Radicat just reminded me, doesn't come out <laughs> until Fridays. You know, what? even the last week, the the premiere week. They introduced a timed release for Thursday evening at nine o'clock, essentially right. when we record the show. So I didn't end up watching it until Friday. Ultimately, they are now going to be scheduled for Friday release. Uh, the you know for the, for new episodes of uh, 
the Lord of the Rings Rings of Power on uh, on Prime Video, Amazon Prime Video. Right. So we won't be talking about that, but I will just very quickly touch upon the most recent episode of um, uh, Game of Thrones, uh, House of the Dragon. Uh, in our most recent episode, we get to see more of um, we get to see more dragons, and we also get to see some of the time jump that has uh, happened since the first two episodes, because a lot has changed since those first two episodes. Uh, let me, I, I want to just confirm very quickly. Uh, I think it was episode four. I want to say it was episode four. We're up to now, but I I, I don't recall. Um, I, I, that's why I want to just pull pull open my um, pull open HBO Max on my phone very quickly and just see uh, what. Uh, come on, Elvis. There's an ad for Elvis on the front page. So what are you gonna do? They just introduced. Uh, see here house of the dragon see i think it was episode three that's what i think yeah one two yeah episode three second of his name so that was the episode that we just uh had this past sunday so it's been a few days. I'm still not going to spoil it, though, because some people may be behind. I'll just say that we got to see a little bit more of um, outdoorsy things. You know, we kind of left the the, the castle and, and the uh, palace intrigue that had dominated the first two episodes. We get to see a little bit more of Rhaenyra and and, and, and how things have changed in the, 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 the time jump since the second episode the time between the second and the third episode uh lots of lots of a lot of things have happened between the king viserys and uh developing his line let's say uh also his brother daemon targaryen is uh, off doing kind of daemon targaryen things and uh we get a little bit of uh superhuman targaryenness going on in this episode it's my you know it's like borderline superhuman stuff so uh, i'll leave it at that you know we do get kind of a uh some cool pitched battle stuff um it seems like the 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 big bad of the first two episodes really wasn't all that bad uh you know he kind of gets taken out in this episode kind of goes out like a punk but um at the end of the day listen if you're a game of thrones person this is catnip for you you'll love this stuff i'm not that big a game of thrones person i'm just you know i i I appreciate the show i'm not that you know it's 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 not like i've read all the books you know i'm you know i appreciate the show i I appreciate kind of being part of the pop culture phenomenon that is game of thrones just so that i understand uh some of these costumes that i'm probably going to see at new york comic-con next month (laughs) i'm probably going to see somebody dressed up as something from house of the dragon and i think they've already started (laughs) yep Yep, dragon con was this past weekend so right so i would not be surprised to see at least a few house of the dragon costumes when i hit the floor at uh new york comic-con in less than a month now so we can move on much next alright guess we're getting into books then excuse me And we're going to start off with She-Hulk number six. Okay. Let me get my sheet up here. 
She-Hulk number six is written by uh, Rainbow Rowell, or Rowell, art by Luca Maresca, colors by Rico Renzi, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. Who is that? Our favorite lettering Python. Um, just give me a moment. I will have my copy up. So um, in something that is, I guess, was retconned in as uh, and uh, as a regular weekly thing that Patsy Walker, aka Hellcat, had tried to institute in her days during uh, her t- her tenure on the Defenders. Uh, she she tried to institute something that involved a regular uh, a regular meal of having cake. <laughs> And wearing fancy clothes. We'll yes. put it that way. I'm not she's going cake. to completely spoil it. But she's out with uh, Jen Walters in her She-Hulk form. And they are discussing things. Uh, you know, and, and there's a, definitely a tease for what happens at the end of the issue. Meanwhile, Jen is... Jen has the career blessing of pulling in a gigantic well-paying client yes much to the original much uh, much to the surprise originally chagrin but then to the delight of her new boss mallory book who is technically not jen walters's lawyer nemesis (laughs) they are working together and ultimately it turns out that things are not as they seem in the office because relationships abound yeah, that one threw me off. I was like, wait, really? <laughs> yep. Yep, that one threw me off as well. And I'm not as familiar with sl- I'm not familiar with Slots Run at all. Mm. Um I I'd only read um Souls She-Hulk Run. Mm. So I do need to kind of circle back to Slots Run. It's a but really at good the run. end I'm sorry? It's a really good run. Yeah, I I I'm definitely going to try to circle back to it using our handy dandy tool. <laughs> Our Marvel Unlimited subscriptions, uh, they are not sponsors. We just happen to use that tool a lot. It turns out that this issue contains a pretty big development that had been teased for several issues in this run so far. And it took them a while to get to it, and they finally got to it. So it does happen in this issue. Uh, I will leave it at that. Uh, I am obviously being purposefully vague so as not to spoil anything. When it, with regards to that. So I will uh, hand it off to Roddy Cat to wrap up our discussion on She-Hulk number six. Whatever. I'm going to spoil the whole thing. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, everything, everything, Agent Savage. Um, I am, the only thing that is funny to me is um, Mallory's change of heart when it comes to, uh, when it came to, because initially she was like. Look. You mean the big client? Well, well yes, this is what but, changes your mind. I know, but exactly. I know. So that was the, that was the funny part cuz she had this whole basically she had this no whole look. You're a superhero, no superhero. I mean, even though she in the past have has uh, defended superheroes and villains most specifically because that's how the whole nemesis thing kind of sort of kind of came about. Um but now she's had a real change of tune, knowing that there's a they're 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 about to be um, they have a they have a retainer now. So right, <laughs> and uh, I, and I know uh, as the 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 one legal person on this year's show, I know um, uh, 
uh, Agent 70 can appreciate that term. Hell yeah. It's <laughs> not hourly billing. It's not so. hourly billing. <laughs> so, so there is that. And uh, like uh, Agent 70 also said, like, yeah, there's a, um, there was an interesting revelation, I guess, that's going to be had in the next, in the, um, uh, in the next issue or two because of uh, a file that uh, Jen gave Jack, which he should have read. Um, especially that, which is, the, which kind of messed me up because it was like, wait, you know, good and well, what happened then? Uh, and two, you even thought about whether you were going to tell Jack about a certain uh, time in the Avengers history that he was, in, he was unintentionally involved in. And I'm pretty sure the file that she just gave him has that information. So she, she probably should have looked at that. But like I said, we will see uh, what happens with that in the coming issues. But it looks like as though that uh, there's been an, uh, a re-enkindlement uh, at the end of this issue. As Agent 70 said, that was kind of alluded to. I was about uh, to say, I don't think that's the word. I think it's just rekindling. <clears throat> huh? I think it's just rekindling. I know it is. I know it is. I thought, okay. thought I, was go- I was going off of the entanglement, you know. Ah, <laughs> where is it? <laughs> so I, uh, I know what the uh, word is. I was just re, re, re I'm re-going. like, that's not a real word. That's like, <laughs> that's like, uh, what you gonna call it? Like, uh, uh, the people that use irregardless. I'm like, no, the word well, is those, irrespective. Well, those it's people are crazy. Well, those people are loony, not crazy. Excuse me, because we don't use that term, uh, but. Uh, you know, those people have no sense. But this the word you purposely... need is irrespective. But this was me purposely doing this. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyway, that is and that is uh, She Hulk uh, uh, issue number six. Still enjoying it. I don't know when this thing's supposed to because I don't think it's a. I don't think it's a. Um, it's an ongoing. I thought they said it was a limited series, but usually limited series would have ended by now unless it's like a one of those 12 issue minutes uh, limited series which could very well be we don't know so we don't it have is... anything in we don't have any indication comic list right and i don't think we've seen that in diamond either so i think at least for now this is an ongoing and they could have changed that because for some time to right, i think they're giving rainbow rowell some time to tell the story right which um, which i'm fine with i'm i'm very much fine with you know but it was also could have been like because i think Something similar might have happened with her with her uh, Mockingbird book, uh, to where a, a similar thing might have happened. Like it was slated for one thing and then ended up being another, and then just kind of ended when it ended. So, regardless, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I'm it's been good as long as it's been here, and I'm going to enjoy it as long as it's going to be here. So we can move on to the next book, which would be Moon Knight number fifteen. Okay. Moon Knight number 15 is written by Jed McKay with art by Alessandro Capuccio, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg, and letters by VC's Corey Petit. Let me grab my copy of Moon Knight 15. And I have to say that this book really does an excellent job of delving into the current state of Moon Knight's and Mark Spector's different uh, uh, DID, mm-hmm. and at the end of the day, 
um, it's actually a pretty healthy depiction of sharing, uh, you know, sharing one's mental health status, mm-hmm. you know, and mental health situation. I kind of like that. Yeah, I agree. You know, it was a nice depiction of it. It was a nice way of uh, establishing the status quo, you know, of uh, of how this particular version, this this current version of Moon Knight deals with uh, his DID um, uh, diagnosis and, and how they're treating it as opposed to how it's been treated in the past. You know, it's a very modern take, I think. Yes, agreed, agreed. And even... Oh, go ahead. <clears throat> no, I was just going to say, even yeah, even all um, all of the other avatars kind of get a moment in the sun um, in this issue uh, mm-hmm. while it's going going on, because they are all basically working together to uh, to find out some information about these two characters that we had not found out about previously. That uh, the two villains that we uh, that were introduced to in the last few issues. Yes, uh, that's I, that's where I was going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, we do find out. Uh, you know, uh, not even through exposition, we actually get like Moon Knight using his other identities to suss out and 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 really investigate the identities of these characters who basically handed him his lunch mm-hmm. uh, previously. Dissociative. I could not remember for the life of me what that first D was. Dissociative right. identity disorder. Right. And, and also, oh, go. Ahead, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, but but uh, but and. You know that was that was an interesting way of telling the story that that McKay chose, mm-hmm. in order to not have, you know, a character just say, you know, this is such and such and such and such, you know, who's hunting you down. We actually have one aspect of Mark's uh, persona, his his multiple pers- uh, his multiple uh, identities, really, you know, different aspects of his multiple identities, investigating uh, his pursuers and his tormentors and you know each of them are going about things in their own way and we have as 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 Roddy Cat said the reveal of who these folks were and possibly who sent them right and we yeah, also have go ahead I was about to say yeah I think the 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 who sent them we got that part we still just don't know that much about why right basically mm-hmm. And and I would just I would just end with, um, you know, there's a lot of cool setup here, and we're you know it, it's it's leading into something in in the next issue. That's the point of the cliffhanger at the end of the issue. That there's definitely something being set up for uh, the next issue. Yeah, the only thing I have to add to that, I've found this as a weird aside to uh, in this issue. We find out what um, Mark and his other avatars all drink. So this was a week to find out what people drink, apparently, because the same a similar thing happened in this week's She Hulk with a character. So I, I found that kind of amusing. Really? Yeah. The Which stinger. character in She Hulk? I'm not, I'm having trouble recalling. Wong in the Stinger. I mean in the tag. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, oh. <clears throat> when you say she, when you said She Hulk, I was thinking the comic. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, I don't remember that in the comic. In the show, now I remember. Right, right. It's something to do with Yak's milk. 
But that's um, a yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Right. I got. I got a kick out of. Um, I got a kick out of which characters drink which which drink. And I'm like, oh. Mm-hmm. So I guess I, I guess I, I kind of roll with Stephen Grant a little bit. Although once I read this, I was like, hmm, I should put some vodka in the fridge. I haven't had ice cold vodka in a long time. It was an interesting um, description of vodka that he put down in. in uh, uh, so I was like, huh, I never thought about it that way. I'm not that big on vodka, but I will drink it in, you know, with in things. Right, exactly. I've had it as a mix, but not right. cold and straight. Like well, I've had it straight. Sh- oof, I don't oof. like Russian people. No, I've had it straight, but I've never had it cold, like ice cold, like that. Mm. That that's interesting to me. I'm like, huh? I should grab a bottle and put that <laughs> in the refrigerator in in the freezer. Sure. You know. Yeah, I was about to say I was. I'm thinking I am nowhere near like Jake, but I, I appreciate his choice of uh, his choice of drink. What's a uh, Jake drink? I forget. I believe he's a rum guy. Oh right, 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 right. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not that big on rum. Yeah. I've, you know, I'm okay with rum. But again, that's something that I'll have mixed. Right. But you know, definitely, I definitely oh, yeah. lean towards uh, dark brown alcohol, like uh, Stephen Grant. Right. I think he's said scotch. I believe. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, yep. Yep. So that was an interesting thing to, for them to put in. I mean, it has no yeah. bearing on anything. But it was like, huh? Because as some folks would say, you know, the, your choice of drink that kind of the the um, says what kind of person you are, I guess. Yeah. I'd, yeah. Scotch Supposedly. or whiskey is one thing. Yeah, scotch or whiskey, you know, is like kind of like the, the, the professional-ish drink. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. So. The the rum is for the rough and tumble, or in this case, pirates, <laughs> as, as they say right. it, and, you know, and mark with the vodka. Um, I'm not sure what yeah, that's supposed Scott, to say. Yeah, but. scotch for the serious Mr. Grant, rum for the rascal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Mark spent Mark Spector is vodka ice cold. I'm like, huh? I'm gonna try that. It's been a while. You let me know how it anyway. works out for you. But yeah, uh, Moon Knight 15 was a, was a pretty good uh, issue this week. We can we can safely yeah. say so. It's yeah. leading to a a, a show. Uh, I guess a, a round two with these other characters again. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll it's see a potential click that. of the week for me. Yeah, same here. I can say that. Same here. So we move on to uh, Rapid Fire now. Yes, because we've got a few books to get through, and, uh, you know, we've got a little bit of a time crunch here. So here we go. I ain't got time to bleed. Emptying the mags. Mm-hmm. You go forward and I'll chime in when, when, when I get to a... No problem. First up for me is Batman number 127. It's written by Chip Zdarsky with art by Jorge Jimenez, colors by Tomo Mori, and letters by Clayton Cowles, not with VC. This is a freelance job for him. So the uh, failsafe that Batman has devised for himself is still running roughshod over the entire Bat family. And ultimately they have to call in some reinforcements. And if you're thinking who could they call in to defeat a failsafe device that had been designed specifically to take out Batman, you're probably right. There's one character who you think they would have called. It's not the Ghostbusters, but there's one character that they can call on to help in that kind of situation. Next up, oh, and there is a backup story involving Catwoman and 
um, possibly dealing with uh, the succession line that Oswald Cobblepot has uh, established for himself. It turns out that Oswald Cobblepot is most definitely not dead. And um, uh, they are that and Zdarsky and I guess the, the Batman team over at DC are setting up a line of succession for his criminal empire. So maybe they're going to, you know, tap into some of the, uh, some of the, uh, uh, some of the issues and and the character dynamics from the HBO show Succession. It's definitely a possibility. Next up is Black Panther number nine. It's written by John Ridley with art by Herman Peralta, colors by Jesus Abertov, and letters by VCs Joe Sabino. So now that the insurrection slash civil war in Wakanda has been settled. We're apparently back to a story that happened before that. And John Ridley definitely threw me for a loop here. And I think he threw Roddy cat for a loop as well. Yep. Uh, there's some real wackiness going on, which Ridley actually uses the characters to acknowledge. He absolutely uses the characters to acknowledge that there is something wacky going on, something weird. And, you know, it involves some space characters who definitely don't use the most appropriate and bo- and definitely offensive language. Um, you know, even, even uh, kind of uh, playing on the idea of colonizers and colonization, coloniz- colonization. And... Um, yeah, it was just kind of a tough read. What do you, anything else that you have to add on this? So it wasn't actually that tough for me. It, it definitely was jarring because it was like coming out of that last one, that last arc, we were thinking, okay, well, he's going to get back with the Avengers and they're just going to do some stuff, uh, you know, like get back to business like they normally would. I did not. And if you look at the cover, or at least me looking at the cover thinking, oh, maybe Claw's involved because this seems like uh, some some claw manifestations going on here, but I don't remember the state of claw in the the Marvel Comics universe at this point. Uh, now that I'm thinking about it, so but yeah, it is definitely a weird turn of stories uh, for that's in a mainline book because it seems like a as I'll talk about in another book I'll talk about some. It's a something that seems out of continuity, put it this way. But like like Agent Seven said, it is something that draws back to the beginning of this volume, of which both of us forgotten. Well, at least I more forgotten than he. I think he he remembered it more than I did. But only a little, right? Only a little, and only because <clears throat> you know it, it it happened essentially right before the whole Civil War stuff. So you know, be that as it may, it definitely felt a little out of place. That's why it was a tough right. read for me. Right. Yeah, it definitely feels out of place because the the way it reads. I, I agree with that. But um, it was, I would say it was fun. Definitely still out of place, but it was kind of fun. I, I admittedly, as they just said, there was some, some language used that was kind of, uh, let's just say not, uh, not used now, but I kind of chuckled at the, um, at, at the, what this, uh, what this alien called T'Challa. Right, 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 right. right. Um, and I, and also was thinking of like, wait, is this the first time that term has been used in comics, or particularly in 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 recent comics? Because I, I was about to say probably in current comics. Right. So I was just saying like, has this been a while since I've seen that in comics? But um, uh, 
But yeah, like I said, that was uh, kind of amusing. But and that's all I have to right. say about that. <laughs> Pulling out the Forrest Gump. Yes. Um, next up is Captain America: Sentinel of Liberty number four, written by former guests of the show, Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly. Art by Carmen Carnero and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. So we have uh, some more interesting um, uh, developments between the power elite and Steve Rogers. We kind of get a little bit of the day in the life of Steve Rogers, but he's being stalked by a mechanism, uh, a soldier basically uh, acting on behalf of the power elite elite. And, uh, you know, we get a nice little, uh, you know, Bucky, you, you've never been alone. And it, it does help to remind the lone wolves in our lives. They are never really lone wolves, especially if they've got a buddy like Captain America. So, yeah, that was, but, a, nice, uh, that was a nice touch. Yeah. Oh. So uh, ultimately, I think that's a, 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 a nice little touch. But, uh, you know, we're, we're moving this power elite storyline along and we'll, you know, we'll see what, what, what comes of it. Next up is Ghost Rider. Number, oh, anything else on Captain America Sentinel Liberty, Liberty number four? Uh, no. Nah. Okay. Next up is Ghost Rider number six. It's written by Benjamin Percy with art by Brent Peoples, colors by Brian Valenza and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. So uh, the Ghost Rider finally, finally, finally deals with what has been plaguing him throughout this run. That being um, essentially a possession. You know, it's kind of weird to have Johnny Blaze uh, being possessed by a, by what 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 is essentially a demon that only that that really uh, you know exerts itself when. Uh, Johnny Blaze is in control, but doesn't have much power when the Ghost Rider is, is is running things. And ultimately, the two parts of Johnny Blaze's existence kind of have to come together with the aid of Wolverine. And of course, Wolverine is going to play a role in this one because the two characters really interacted with each other in the 90s. Um, you know, especially when Johnny Blaze uh, returned in the pages of the Danny, the Danny Ketch Ghost Rider and became a, a more prominent player in that Spirits of Vengeance book. So Wolverine definitely had his um, encounters with Johnny Blaze over the years since the character's reemergence in the 90s. And it does not it's no coincidence that Wolverine would be in this book, given that Benjamin Percy also writes Wolverine in the Wolverine book that I'm going to talk about later, as well as X-Force. So I think... Uh, it's you know it should come as no surprise that Wolverine plays a role in this and probably will play an ongoing uh, role in the background of Ghost Rider going forward. Yes, and we will have uh, some news about that a little later on. Next up is Immortal X Men number six. It's written by Kieran Gillen with art by Lucas. Uh, uh, hold on, we're neck. Wow. My typing was terrible today. I was uh, knocking out my credits just before the show. And I'm like, that is not his name. Art by Lucas Vernick, because he's a, he, he was named um, a Stormbreaker by Marvel. Colors are by David Curiel and letters by VCs Clayton Cowell. So this is, this should be read after uh, AXE Death to the Mutants number two of three. 
So, you know what? Let me jump to AXE Death of the Mutants number two of three first. It's also written by Kieran Gillen with art by Guiyu Villanova or Villanova, colors by Alex Guimares, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. So, I'm jumping around a little bit here, but because of the reading order, I don't want to talk too much about one thing without talking about the other. In AXE Death to the Mutants number two, we get a little bit of insight into what the mutants are doing uh, to try to defend Krakoa in conjunction with their efforts to battle the progenitor who the Avengers and the Eternals have created out of the uh, celestial remnants of Avengers Mountain. And, you know, characters are being judged left and right. Um, you know, things are arbitrary. Kieran Gillen's choices of who um, who gets passed and who gets failed or, or continue to be kind of, uh, I don't know if mind-boggling is the right way to put it, but they, you know, there are characters that talk about how, you know, Captain America got judged and, you know, everybody's screwed if that's how Captain America got judged. Um, so it's kind of funny to... to to see that um but you know there's some hints as to um these eternal these giant eternals and 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 these giant eternal robots that are uh, wreaking havoc on uh on krakoa there's a hint as to you know their true nature we'll put it that way and the true nature of the eternals and their version of immortality you know, I think that is where Kieran Gillen is really going with this, you know, kind of creating a parallel with what's been happening uh, with the Krakoan developments and mutantdom in general. So it seems like that is the goal of Kieran Gillen's uh, Eternals-centric uh, storytelling. I am pulling up my copy of Immortal X-Men number six so I can talk about it. Again, this is more x-men stuff as it relates to being judged it's a judgment day crossover ultimately all of these crossover issues deal with um specific characters dealing with being judged by the progenitor and in this issue we have you know there's a there's a spotlight shown on uh, sebastian shaw and I'll leave it at that. There's plenty of stuff that happens in here that's worth reading if you've been keeping up with Immortal X-Men. It is definitely um, kind of like the, the Game of Thrones type story. You know, lots of politics and palace intrigue uh, uh, when it comes to Krakoa. And that's the whole point of the Immortal X-Men title. Uh, next up is Punisher number six. It is written by Jason Aaron with pencils by Jesus Saiz, inks by Paul Azacheta or Azaceta, colors by Dave Stewart, and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. So in this issue, we get a throwdown between the Punisher Frank Castle, uh, amped up just a touch by the hand, the the the, the ninja cult, um, and their magic, but that still doesn't compare to an Olympian god a.k.a. Ares, the god of war. And yes, the sentry did tear him in half way back when, but he's better now. And ultimately, he's still an Olympian god. He can take punches from Hercules. So the Punisher, you know, gets his butt handed to him. 
and there are uh, kind of weird developments here in terms of you know whether or not the Punisher is going to snap out of whatever spell that the the, the hand may be you know, holding over him or weaving over him. And at the end of the issue, we finally do get a guest appearance. Uh, it's the, it's the stinger. Basically it's the, it's the, it's the splash page. Um, it's a splash page. Um, oh my gosh. I don't know why I must be super tired. Um, uh, cliffhanger page. It's the splash page cliffhanger page at the end of the book where we get a cameo appearance by let's say a long awaited character because this character has had parallel developments in his own book that would have, that would lead one to presume that he that this character and another character are going to cross paths with the punisher any issue now and it's it was bound to happen and it finally did uh, last but not least for me is Wolverine number 24. It's written by Benjamin Percy, as I said earlier, with art by Federico Vicentini, colors by Frank D'Armada, and letters by VC's Cord Petit. Uh, this issue does involve Wolverine getting judged um, or, or, or on his way to being judged. It also harkens back to some of the Death of Wolverine story. Uh, it also calls back on Ten of Swords stuff with uh, Solom. Remember that guy? Right? Oh, kind yeah. of like the adamantium skin guy? Mm-hmm. The Iraqi guy? You know, it, it sounds so weird because it makes it sound like I'm, I'm saying he's from Iraq, but he's Iraqi. Like A-R-A-K-K-I, right? So, ultimately, uh, a lot of elements of Wolverine's past get woven together into the story and um as i said i guess this is going to be the 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 course we're all going to have to follow which is in these individual tie-in books of the title characters and some of their supporting characters being judged by the progenitor and that's going to serve as the quote-unquote tie-in into judgment day so that's it for me folks handing it off to roddy cat well, alrighty then. First up for me is uh, Star Wars number twenty-seven. And it's written by Charles Soule, art by Andres Ginolet or Ginolet, um, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. So, um. I believe the last time we talked to, talked about um, Star Wars, um, there were these undercover uh, Crimson Dawn agents uh, in this secret Imperial weapons base, which to which we found out is the rebuilding of the Death Star, because this is taking place uh, taking place after uh, Empire Strikes Back before um, before Return of the Jedi. So apparently. Um, Kira called upon these uh, 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 these agents to kind of cause some havoc and get out of there. And this issue is pretty much them trying, with their kids, trying to get away from the Death Star. But it doesn't seem like they planned it all that particularly well. <laughs> there are some things that they didn't 
planned for that ends up uh, coming after them along with uh, some TIE fighters. Uh, they try to get um, they try to get to some word to the rebels, and they're t- kind of taken in a certain way. But apparently, at the end, someone may be uh, someone of note w- will possibly be uh, taking up the mission. Um, I believe also uh, during a, a the, the the rebellions meeting, one of the generals who happens to be from uh, Star Wars Rebels, I believe this is one of the first times they have had a speaking part in th- this book. Uh, or in this and or probably the possibly the other volume of Star Wars, if I remember correctly, but I, I might be wrong about that part. So it was good to see this this uh, this this character because I love that character. Um, <clears throat> but that's pretty much uh, that. So will this couple be able to get away and and get their message to the the, the rifle people? We'll find out. Next up, Magic: The Gathering, number eighteen, written by uh, Jed McKay. Uh, excuse me. <clears throat> Love it when that happens. Um, art by Alessandro uh, Cappuccio. Color artist Rochelle Rosenberg. And letters by VCs Corey Pettit. So this is when things start coming together, folks. Um, and that is actually the wrong uh, creative team outside of the Because <laughs> I'm looking at Moon Knight. I was about to say, I'm like, you're reading off of what I just talked about. <laughs> <laughs> so I did, I did Magic the Gathering and, and um, Moon Knight back to back because Jim mm-hmm. McKay. So, but I had the wrong one clicked uh, in my notes here. So written by Jim McKay, that's true. Illustrated by Iguara, that is who's doing that. Uh, colors by Ariana Consani and letters by Ed Dukeshire. That is the creative team for Magic the Gathering number 18. <clears throat> So, um, like I said, everything is starting to come together in this because um, there was a a trap set for the bad guy of which was sprung in this issue, um, um, which leads our intrepid heroes to go on the offensive uh, now that they could get into Ravnica. Um, But first, taking a nice little side trip to a new area of the Magic the Gathering um, universe called new capina capina which uh was the last um expansion actual expansion uh, of magic the gathering cards that, that came out this year um so that was interesting enough but like i said the 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 crux of this issue is that the the, the, the trap being sprung uh the heroes now have access to ravnica and going on the offensive and freeing their friends uh and it was an, also a nice uh, little, little tender moment between a couple of them and uh, the test, uh, the uh, confrontation with the uh, main villain Tesseract, which was also kind of a smokescreen for us uh, for uh, a, a little secret mission that that he's not aware of. So, like I said, things are kind of coming together. We'll we'll see uh, what happens with the uh, with uh, the in the next issue. Uh, last but not least, for myself is All Out Avengers number 1 <clears throat> and I don't have the I don't have to worry about spoiling this for Agent 70 cuz I know he's not going to read it and if you're a long-time viewer listener of this uh show you will know why once I talk about the creative team uh it is written by Derek Landy uh 
with pencils by uh, Dirt's and Agent 70's favorite person, Greg Land. Greg Land. Yes, uh, the the infamous Greg Land. We have we have s- spoken of his art many a time on the show. Uh, inks by Jay Leston, uh, Leiston, I guess. I'm not sure which it is, but I probably I think it's Leiston. To be honest, is it Leiston? Okay, I think so. I've That's- heard I. I, I I want to say, uh, I, I've either heard it spoken mm. a number of times. Okay. I don't know if I've ever met met him at a con, but gotcha. I think it's least. Okay. And colors by Frank Darmada. So, um, as I told Agent Seventy earlier, this seems to be almost in the vein of. Um, the Avengers web um, mech strike books, although there are no toys involved with this. And I'm saying that because this is, this is, doesn't seem to be a story in continuity. In fact, there's a little bit, something seemingly going, um, going on behind the scenes because there is some narration that we see through, um, at various parts of the book that would denote that, uh, there is another hand at play behind what is going on here. But essentially, we start off with uh, the team of Avengers. The, um, that is not the Avengers that the, that is in the core book now. It's basically, although some of them are then there. So we got Cap, Black Panther, Thor, Spider Woman, Spider Man, um, Captain Marvel, and Iron Man. Uh, and at the start of this book, one of said one of those uh, have been corrupted by something called the the Dark Veil or or something like that. I can't remember what it is at this point, and uh, is running amok. But there's a couple of things going on. So we got uh, Thor and Iron Man fighting against Captain Marvel, who's been corrupted, and then we have a couple of other teams. Actually, I believe Blade is also uh, in here, but they, they, but they don't show up. Uh, but he doesn't show up on the cover. Not that I think about it. Um, but uh, and then there's a couple of uh, offensive kind of offenses going on because there's this villain s who I, I assume is an alien in nature who is um, causing havoc, and there's this bow involved that can can restructure uh, reality and like I say it's a weird almost like it feels like a D and D campaign that just kind of ran amok. I mean we do know Marvel's got that uh, that. Um, D and D, their D and D thing um, coming out next week that are playtesting. But this seems like just somebody just ran amok and and just put this together because, like I said, even with the narration that happens throughout here, there's some changing of what is said and or done in in a couple of um, couple of spots. Like I said, which kind of denotes that there is a hand kind of guiding what's going on here. To what extent, I do not know, because none of it gets explained in this particular issue. <clears throat> so, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm definitely going to check this out, um, check out the next issue. But I am not entirely sure. Because even at the, at the end of the book, they said they kind of took some inspiration for, from that um, nonstop Spider-Man book. And that kind of went off the rails. <laughs> right. Uh, it was with, fun for a while. Yeah, it, it was fun. Went off the rails. Yeah, when it went into that uh, the new menu, the the new limited series that came after it that was attached to it, it just went off the rails. 
Right. Whether this one's going to do that same thing, I feel like it'll kind of starting off on a, in it, on a certain note, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, that's it for me. Clicks of the week. Clicks of the week. Oh, I forgot to pull that one, but nevertheless, uh, we do have one from Dirt, one of our co-hosts. Um, it is Faz Phantasmagoria, excuse me, number one from Black Caravan. He basically says, imagine a, a gory modern horror exorcist slash possession movie, but set in Victorian London. Okay. Yeah. So, Phantasmagoria, I thought, was a magazine, and maybe it is, it still is. And well, this was, yeah, I was about to say, it, it sounds a lot like Fangoria, which is the magazine. There is also that, yeah. So maybe but I don't know if I'm there is a Phantasmagoria. Um, that might be what I'm thinking about, since you, not that you're saying that, but I'm not sure. But I feel like I've seen another magazine or book called Phantasmagoria. I know I've seen a, a video game that is similarly tired, but I know that's not it. Um, right. So, yeah. There you go. That's that. Uh, that's dirt pick. I don't have a cover if you're watching the video version because um, didn't know he was going to pick something from some place we don't normally get stuff from. Um, what about you, sir? Uh, yeah, I kind of spoiled this way <clears> back <throat> during uh, our discussion of books. I think I'm going to go with Moon Knight number fifteen mm-hmm. as my choice for my click of the week this week. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a well balanced, well told story. Yeah, yeah. And that it was. That it was. For myself, um, it was definitely out of Moon Knight and She-Hulk. Um, I I did like that. I kind of like Black Panther, but like I said, it was kind of a little off-putting because of the fact that, you know, like I said, what we came out of, was like, I figured the tone was very distant, uh, different from what we came out of. and it was Yeah, it was a weird through. change of pace. Yeah, so... Um, I think I guess I'm going to go with She-Hulk number six. It's not a bad choice. I thought yeah. about it. Yeah. So, and with that, folks, uh, we are going to go into the news section. But first, how about an ad read? All righty. Uh, oh, what did I say my, my, my other ad read was? I know what the short one is. Uh, wink. Ah, okay, because I closed it by accident. My apologies, folks. Mm. I'm going to open that up in a second. All right. Our first ad read of the night is for Wink, your personalized wine club. Wink is a world of wine delivered right to your door. From Rosé to Cabernet to Toronte, Wink has over 100 styles of wine to discover. Ever try an orange wine? Wink connects you to a world of exclusive wines tailored to your taste and delivered directly to your door. Wink delivers four bottles of wine to you every month with free shipping. You can pick your own bottles or let Wink choose and match to your taste. It doesn't cost a thing to become a member and you can skip or cancel anytime. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy an exclusive discount of $20 off your first order. To place your first order with $20 off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us forward slash Wink. That's cspn.us forward slash w-i-n-c wink wines through cspn do it today and now we get into the news 
And we start off with the cinematic news as we do every time, every week about this time. I'm going to actually go in, uh, before we actually get into news, I'm just going to put this out here real quick. Last week we talked about uh, Disney Plus Day, which that is today as of this recording, um, uh, September 8th, Thursday, September 8th. Um, and I'm just going to say that there's really not much of note that came out of, uh, that we didn't already know about, uh, that came out of Disney plus day because Thor love and thunders out there, uh, that, that, that premiered today on the show, the making of, uh, Thor, Thor love and thunder. Also the, uh, the making of the Obi-Wan Kenobi, um, um, thing is out there. Um, apparently there's a dollar 99 promotion. For new subscribers to Disney Plus, so there is that. If you if you if you uh, if you're not already in it, um, oh, there is. I think the only other thing of note uh, would be there is a special look at Andor, the next uh, Star Wars uh, series, which is coming up uh, in in a couple of short weeks. <clears throat> that is that is coming up. So if you're interested in that, there is uh, there is that. Outside of that, there's really not much uh, comic book related that. Um, that is uh, of note, like I said, that we did not already know about. Again, we are going into D23, which starts um, uh, tomorrow. So we're, I'm sure we will have some news from that. That being said, the story behind She-Hulk's Dream Come to cameo, and this is supporter for last week's episode, by the way, um, is that that was Tatiana Maslany doing all that twerking. Huh. So, which makes sense. Well, that does not make sense, but... Um, so she's doing a mocap for for She Hulk, and uh, you know she's a big Megan the Stallion fan. So the, the fact that Megan the Stallion was on there in the first place was a big come true. And apparently that line that she said in that in the in the uh, in the post credit scene was something that was written for her because of the fact that she was a a, a big fan of Megan the Stallion. The Stallion. So so yeah, all that twerking that She-Hulk and Megan Stallion's uh, been doing that y'all have been beefing about on the internet, even though we've had way stupider, uh, not stupider, uh, way uh, similar and yet um, more crazier stuff in the Marvel Universe, such as uh, Tony Stark with uh, retractable poles, you know, that from the first Iron Man, or was it Iron Man 2, I think. Or Tony Stark being drunk because there was a lot of people saying like Tony Stark would you know starts off the the MCU and for this to happen kind of stupid mess and then you remember in Iron Man two when he was drunk and going in the suit oh yeah and you remember that kind of stuff but these people were thinking like yeah he was so virtuous and all that so anyway this is so stupid the internet's dumb so yeah the the token oh. was make was Tatiana only and it was fun it was great and y'all need to get a life. Next, I just uh, thought it was it, it's of the moment. I thought it was you know fun and silly, right? You know that's what you, that's how you should take it. Right. So you know, right. get a grip, people. Seriously, right. yeah. Next yeah. up, uh, apparently, Tim Roth isn't exactly sure what happened to Emil Blonsky's cat tattoo. So in the original Incredible Hulk uh, uh, appearance uh, that Emil Blonsky made, you can see some of Emil Blonsky's tattoos, which are actually Tim Roth's actual tattoos. However, in She-Hulk, that tattoo around his arm seems to have been removed. Folks have been trying to figure out the reason on Reddit. So Roth was asked about it in an, in a recent interview, and he said that, well, you'd have to talk to the powers that be about that. 
And when it was suggested that maybe the abomination's powers had healed the skin, Tim Roth replied, it could be that he sheds. It could be that for now. It'll just have to remain a mystery. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm sending agent 70 something of a particular note, which will, might be in the show notes actually. Uh, but I'm going to move on. Oops. Um, no, no. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> She-Hulk's she Tim Roth in, endorsed Captain America 4 as director uh, to Marvel Studios, which is it's kind of weird because there was a, a couple of articles going around saying that uh, they they wanted his opinion on this person before they hired him for, before they hired Tim Roth uh, for She-Hulk, which kind of sounds a certain way if you take it a certain way, but... It, it wasn't that way. So basically, um, Captain America New World Order's director, Julian Ona, was given an endorsement to uh, Marvel Studios by Tim Roth, uh, who worked with him on a 2019 film called Loose. Uh, but basically, Tim Roth praised the director upon learning that he was uh, helming Captain America 4. Um, and in an interview with comicbook.com, said, uh, quote, Okay, let me tell you this. Uh, Julian is incredible. He's an extraordinary human. Uh, and the story that we told um, and that Tim Roth basically didn't know he was doing Captain America 4 and, you know, blah, 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 yakety smackety. Hey, he's thumbs up for for this dude uh, uh, directing the next Captain America movie. So, next up. Ironheart has added Regan Aaliyah <laughs> Uh, to the cast of the Disney Plus show, uh, Deadline has reported that uh, the club Mickey Mouse actress has signed. Nothing is known about the role or what part she will play in the series, but uh, that's interesting news. Yeah, one more person. Hmm. Oh, I have a th- I have a theory. I, I know I sound like some of the shout out to the Phantom Hybrid uh, podcast. Somebody has to play the AI Natalie. Or who was the AI of her best friend? Who, goddamn it, Bendis? Who who was who killed? Gets got. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to assume that this could possibly be this person here. Don't know that for a fact because we don't know who was this. But I don't think they um, actually put that information out there. So this could very well be that person. We'll see. Uh, next up, though, apparently. Yeah, MCU's Werewolf by Night Halloween special cast is villain, and I believe actually there's another article out there saying that um, there's a, a picture or Jack Russell basically has been uh, announced. Uh, but this was reported by the Illuminati, which sometimes we tend to not take stuff from places like that, but nevertheless, it's a rumor. We can go with it. Um, Desperate Housewives star... Harriet Samson Harris has been reportedly cast as a character named Verusa. Not Veruca, Verusa. Um, the leader of a cult from the House of Bloodstone. So it says, uh, while Verusa does not appear in the Marvel comics, she may have some connection to another comic. Uh, th- she might be related to Elsa Bloodstone. Who's, who do you even know? If you, if you know who that is, then that means something to you. But we'll see if any of that holds true. Next up. I was about to say, if you don't know, you still don't know. Um, <laughs> Basically. <laughs> <laughs> 
Disney Plus teases the X-Men on Disney Plus Day. On Disney Plus Day. So this is from, this article is from September 2nd. So it's almost a full week ago now. Mm-hmm. And apparently uh, Disney Plus had fans up in arms after using a Wolverine GIF, not GIF, but GIF, to hype up Disney Plus Day. On social media, the streaming service sent X-Men fans into a tailspin with their well-timed post. Okay. Spin it. Bum, 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 bum. Since you did say tailspin. So. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Daredevil Born Again star D- D- Vincent D'Onofrio drops a, quote-unquote, thirsty kingpin tease. Boom, boom. No, he's not throwing it back, uh, in, uh, folks. It's basically... Um, a flask with Fisk on it that he uh, that he uh, tweeted about. I guess when he was a boy, he was a uh, when he was a boy, he was allowed to have a flask just like this. Okay, I don't know. Um, but yeah, apparently, I suspect. I don't know. Uh, I guess this is going to be some. Mer- this could potentially be some merch somewhere down the line. I wouldn't be surprised. But we know that Kingpin is potentially slated to return both in daredevil uh born again when that happens but also possibly um the echo series uh when that drops but we'll see next up wow so interestingly charlie cox uh while playing matt murdoch in spider-man no way home actually had uh an extended scene which was shown in theaters um and uh, apparently there's more than a few scenes, but there's definitely one scene in which uh, Matt Murdock confuses Happy. And, uh, you know, that there's a there's a good reason for that particular interaction, given that uh, John Favreau, the actor who plays Happy, had also played um, uh, Franklin Nelson in the first Daredevil movie. Huh, all right. He did do that with uh, Affleck. Yeah, that happened. That was not a great movie, but that still happened. So, yeah, um, December 3rd was Cinema Day, which was also the same day that Spider-Man No Way Home. You mean September 3rd? Th- September. September. Third. What did I say? Oh, yeah, I'm ahead of myself. De- September 3rd. Yeah. My apologies. Uh, which actually is going to this next story anyway. But um, uh, it was National Cinema Day. They was giving out $3. Not giving out, but basically selling tickets for $3. And also Spider-Man No Way Home returned to the theaters on that day, which brings us to the next story in that Marvel, um, apparently wins, uh, Labor Day weekend box office because of, uh, the, 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 uh, uh, no way home being back in the cinema, which we talked about this because basically it was a different version of no way home called the more fun stuff, uh, version, which the, the, uh, aforementioned, um, uh, deleted or the, the, the aforementioned scenes from the last article and a few other articles were, I mean, a few other scenes were put back into the movie for this version of the movie. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, apparently, uh, it did, it did quite well. Let's see, it's, it's extended cut edit, 13 more minutes of new footage, which, like I said, the, the stuff that we talked about, and that's a lot. Yeah, no. Um, Thirteen minutes is a lot. That's not that's not a negligible amount, right? Now, I don't think there's any. Um, 
I don't know if they're going to do anything because I mean, obviously, No Home is already out on DVD or or in Blu-ray. There is possibly a chance they could put out this, this more stuff uh, version. I mean, no. wouldn't you think it's already there and you can just play it? You know what? I, I don't honestly it yet though. That's the thing. I, I actually that gives me pause now to see if you know I should wait for like the deluxe version. And that's why I said that because I'm not, yeah. I'm not sure. Um, yeah. Um, I don't know honestly. I should check. Because you I have think, a copy? I think I have a copy of uh, No Way Home. Because okay. I, I don't have, I didn't, I haven't gotten around to getting it yet. So yeah, I think I, I, I have to check, but I think I do have it. So, um, but yeah, I'll see if they have some of that stuff on, or it could be some brand new stuff. Who even knows? I doubt it. That's being the case. Cause normally, like I said, like you said, that stuff would have been in the 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 original version. So right, just as deleted scenes, and if you mm. just wanted to watch the deleted scenes you know, kind of out of place, you know, I'm, I'm going to guess that the Blu-ray itself doesn't have that option of putting those extended scenes in as the super fun version. Right. And that would be the difference with this particular version. If they exactly. happen to come out with, uh, exactly. with, with another one. So I don't know. I'll, I will check and get back uh, at some point next up though. Next up, John Williams premieres new Indiana Jones five theme music for the Phoebe Waller bridge character. So the legendary composer performed Helena's theme for the first time on Friday. Interesting. So this happened last Friday. Interesting. So this is the first listen to the soundtrack for, soundtrack for the long-awaited fifth installment of the Indiana Jones franchise. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, I don't... Wow, so this movie's still nine months out. Wow. Yeah. Now, should it be out? <laughs> that's something else. Yeah, that that's another story entirely. Because after that last one, oh boy, uh, which I actually I shouldn't say that because I only saw parts of the last one. Anywho, uh, Rings of Power producer on Embracer Group's Lord of the Rings acquisition, quote unquote, no shortage of stories in Tolkien. So yes, folks. Um, J the well I don't not the state of J.R. Tolkien but basically the Embracer Group has uh, embraced the Lord of the Rings as they have embraced many and plenty of things in the video game and other uh, markets. So yeah, it says here in the process of gaining the rights to the Lords of the Ring, it raised all sorts of questions about the impact of um, uh, Amazon's Lord uh, Rings of Power. This this is like the Embracer Group's. Uh, buying up the rights to the Lord of the Rings. But Amazon itself isn't thinking too much about the ramifications of the deal. But I guess they should. Don't, don't necessarily have to because I guess they already had this already done. I mean, already in the works before they got bought. Before it got bought, I guess. Anyway, speaking with IGN, Rings of Power producer Lindsay Weber says that no one has had much time to process the ramifications of the far-reaching deal. Uh, with 50 hours of television to make, she says that the team will be busy for quite some time. Because I believe, didn't they already say, oh, it was it, it was either House of the Dragon and or this uh, is already having, is already getting a, a season two. I think. No, I think House of the Dragon already has a season two. I don't know about. Okay. I knew it was one or the other. I couldn't remember if the, if it was, yeah. If it was one, right, I'm not sure. So I'm pretty sure I'm not sure about this about uh, Rings of Power, but I'm definitely sure about Rings of, uh, House of the Dragon. That is, gotcha. So yeah, um, 
whether anything will come out of the, you know, whether anything will change for Rings of Power with uh, with this the new rights holders, don't know. Probably won't be in the time soon, even if it does. But I, I kind of doubted that it would. Because, like I said, I feel like this was, something, this was something that was already in the works before the thing happened. But then again, stranger things have happened, now that I think about it. So, mm-hmm. next up. Next up, uh, where is Eclectic of the Eclectic Relaxation <laughs> Podcast when I need him, when we need him, because he has coined the perfect phrase for what I am about to, to react to what I am about to talk about. Shout out to Eclectic. I always love to, to tell him that we shout him out on our podcast. You should go over to the Eclectic Relaxation Podcast and the Hip Hop uh, and his hip hop podcast. I'll tell you what they're called in a second, just because I want to give eclectic his props and throw him all the flowers because at the end of the day, he does, uh, lots of good work in the podcast realm. So just give me a moment folks. And, uh, I will describe to you the show, give you the titles of the show. So there's the eclectic discussion podcast, there is the Encyclopedia Hip Hop podcast that you should uh, also tune into. So those are the main two podcast feeds that you should uh, tune into for uh, content produced by our our good friend at Eclectic on Twitter. Uh According to The Hollywood Reporter, Warner Brothers Discovery is back looking for a new chief of DC film and TV content as the former frontrunner Dan Lin is no longer in the mix. Lin apparently dropped out of the negotiation phase for a number of reasons, the main one being <coughs> excuse me, his commitment to two other companies, his production, his own production company Rideback and his new nonprofit, Ride Back Rise. Lynn had been involved in the Warner Brothers world for a long time. He produced several Lego-based movies for the company, and he produced the Warner Brothers popular It movies as well as Sherlock Holmes and Sherlock Holmes, A Game of Shadows. So, it is still an open question as to who will run DC films. The one reaction that we have that's appropriate is... And I follow that up with what Eclectic coined, and it is so apt, so apropos, DC stays losing. Indeed. Shout out Um, to Eclectic. Go check out his podcasts. Folks, this past uh, September 5th was the 30th anniversary of Batman the Animated Series. Ay, ay, ay. The premiere, specifically. Ay. Boy, I'm getting too old for this shit. <laughs> so if that don't make you feel old, I don't know what will. But nevertheless, um... Uh, it is, after all, the definitive Batman portrayal in all of media. Absolutely. That's my opinion. I think many people will agree with me. I would be one of those people. 
I would very much be one of those people. In Matter all fact, of media, in you know, in all <clears> of media, I would even argue that. Uh, you know, most of the comic books don't portray Batman as well as the animated series did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's that is agreeable. In fact, you just reminded me of a video that I need to put in the show notes, but I will get that in a second. Uh, basically, praising uh, it was more of a, a Kevin Conroy love fails, which hey deserved, but it was basically about uh, Batman the animated series uh, that came out on that day. So yeah, folks, I just put that article. And just to say that, uh, there is some more of the Batman news coming out. And I know there were people um, on that day, you know, that was talking to praises of Batman animated series. And, of course, DCU was doing their thing, tweeting about it and asking people their favorite episodes. I definitely was one of those ones who went back and watched a couple of episodes on that day because of this. Um, mm-hmm. Got to watch some uh, Almost Got Him. You know, that's 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 classic. Um Holly and Ivy, and I believe, did I watch, I don't think, I, I didn't watch uh, Cat in the Claw, which was, would, would have been accurately appropriate, because <laughs> that was the first episode. Although, a lot of people said it was on Leather Wings, which I think that was the first one I saw, I don't care, but I think in show order, Cat in the Claw came out first. Either way, it doesn't matter. The show's great, you should watch it if you haven't, it's on, still on HBO Max for the, for the time being. And uh, the anime series is 30 years old, which I guess, well, well there's another bit of um, news along with it about another character associated with the show that is also turning 30, that also turned 30. But we'll get to that in a while. Next up. <clears throat> so the direct was in attendance at Dragon Con's Arrow Guest Saving Star City panel, where actor David Ramsey, who played John Diggle, hinted that Superman and Lois, the show, may keep the Arrowverse alive past the Flash's upcoming ninth and final season. And the question on my mind, and I would think on many people's minds, is... Why? That's all I have to say. <laughs> yeah, I guess that is... There's, yeah. <clears throat> That's the thing. Uh, Black Adam trailer features the Justice Society of America and the first look at Sabak. Not to be confused with the, um, the, the, the card game in the Star Wars universe. Uh, so yeah, the final trailer for Black Adam has been released and alongside uh, showcasing uh, the power of Dwayne Rock Johnson's uh, DC anti-hero, it also gives us a new glimpse at the Justice Society of America and our first look at the villain Sabacc. Uh, Black Adam is coming out October 21st and according to this article, they've been given... Um, more details as to what can be expected from the movie. Uh, but you know what? You can watch the trailer for yourself if you are so inclined. It is, will be in the show notes if you haven't already seen it out there on YouTube. Next up. Now, forgive my ignorance, folks. Mm-hmm. Every time Roddy Cat said Sabak, I'm not a big Star Wars person, but I kept thinking it was, he was talking about the card game. Well, yeah. Yes. So... You know, right. it's just weird that there's a character named Sabak who's the villain in Black Adam. Yeah, I'm assuming it's comic book canon that that's the character's name also. So yeah, that's why I said not to be confused with the card games. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, unbelievable. Anyway, next up, Bloom County, the Bloom County animated series gets a showrunner, uh, and it is a veteran Simpsons. Uh, 
a veteran of the Simpsons, Tim Long, who's going from Springfield to Bloom County. He has been a writer, story editor, and producer on The Simpsons since 1999 and will serve as co-showrunner of the network's Bloom County animated series with cartoonist and creator Berkeley Brethed. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know there was going to be a Bloom. Well, I guess it probably was something out there about that. But yeah, Bloom County's getting an animated series. Go figure. Um, guess what, folks? We almost got a different uh, Captain America in the MCU in the form of uh, Ethan Peck, who uh, some may know as uh, Spock from Star Trek Strange New Worlds. And I believe Discovery, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so apparently per the direct, uh, uh, Peck, who, like I said, is, uh, is playing Spock in, in Star Trek now, uh, was at uh, a panel at Dragon Con this past weekend and basically said, I've had a lot of, uh, oh, talk, he was talking about memorable auditions that he was, uh, that he's went through. He said, uh, I've had a lot of bad ones. I've had some good ones, I guess, but some memorable ones. I was of a smaller group of actors to be considered for Captain America for uh, many years, which stands out. And also I came pretty close to the role of the deep in the boys. If you, I guess if you know that character. Yeah, I know who that character is. Yeah. So, yeah, there we go. Obviously, we know who is the MCU Captain America, so clearly that didn't happen. But <laughs> <laughs> probably, for, probably for the better. Possibly. Quite possibly. So, so, next up. All right, next up. So, the original six Star Trek films. I forget which numbers are the good ones and which ones aren't. It's the odd ones that are the not good ones, right? And Correct. the even ones that are good? Correct. Correct. Right. So the original six Star Trek films have been remastered for 4K. So you can get them on Blu-ray in 4K uh, resolution. Have fun with that if you are a fan. Right. Uh, let's see. Pricing. If you, have a, if you have a 4K TV at this point. Right. I am looking for the pricing. <clears throat> looking yeah. for the pricing. Still, like this article is full of uh, comparisons between the 4K image and the uh, previous cut image. Yeah, I'm looking for the pricing. I probably just skipped past it because I'm still scrolling. This article is freaking long. Yeah, no, I don't think you did. I'm not sure if it if it said as much, but it is a long as um, (laughs) it is a long article. Scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Get this web page scrolling. So, yeah, I, I couldn't tell you for the life of me how much these are. But, hey, if it's that important to you, go for it. Yeah, it's, I, I don't see it. There's just nothing there. But I would imagine it's got to be at least a good 30 a piece to put mm-hmm. on the package. I would guess. That's what oh, be, that would be a good guess. Yeah, Maybe even what, a conservative guess, to be honest. Oh, wait. Yeah, yeah kind of. Well, actually, it's, it's a six-movie collection, according to this. So that's probably upwards of 80, 90. Yeah, I was about to say that might be just as much as a hundred dollars. Yeah, for, uh, if it's a collection, like individually, I could you know I could see a little bit more than what I originally said. But it's a blue because I know Blu-ray. I mean, 4K discs usually go upwards of thirty minimally at minimum, uh, or thirty or forty actually at minimum. Either way, hey, if you, you know, like you just said, if you're into that, go for it. And if you got it, hey, knock yourself out. I still haven't watched that uh, that recut that's on uh, Paramount Plus of the first one. I'm, I should get on that one day because I'm very curious. Next up, though, 
Oh. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 trailer takes Tom Cruise all over the world. World, world, world. Actually, that's slightly... Might be slightly facetious, but Agent Seventy saw this at the begin uh, before we started recording. So this is uh, so we, we have both seen this uh, trailer teaser thing, which has uh, Tom Cruise basically introducing the uh, the the trailer in the most Tom uh, Cruise way. One of the most Tom Cruise ways by him being on a plane, uh, sounding like Waldorf or Stetler from 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 the Muppets because of the wind was whipping around him at however high up he was. So, but yeah, if you haven't seen it, this is a footage that came out of uh CinemaCon um that has been put out there and yeah, next uh Mission Impossible movies coming at some point. Actually, wait, when is this thing coming? Uh July 14th, 2023 is for the first one and June 28th, 2024 for part 2. You should go check it out. It's a it's an interesting looking uh, trailer. It's you know, or a teaser. Next up, Regal Cinemas Parent <clears throat> Cineworld files for Chapter Eleven bankruptcy. So this is the parent company of Regal Cinemas, and uh, not too long ago, the Wall Street Journal reported that the chain's ownership was mulling over the move, and now it's official. Cineworld filed with the U.S. Bankruptcy Court for the Southern District of Texas. Uh, Let's see here. As part of the Chapter 11 cases, Cineworld, with the expected support of its secured lenders, will seek to implement a deleveraging transaction that will significantly reduce the group's debt, strengthen its balance sheet, and provide the financial strength and flexibility to accelerate and capitalize on Cineworld's strategy in the cinema industry. The second largest movie theater chain said uh, via The Hollywood Reporter. So, you know, it's not, you know, curtains down for uh, Regal Cinemas by any stretch of the imagination. This is just a reorganization of their debt so that they can try to uh, get out from underneath whatever crushing debt payments they have. Right. Yeah, and ultimately probably will affect moviegoers somewhere down the line. Because, mm-hmm. you know, they're already raising prices as it is there, or at least they already were, have been raising prices, whatever. So, we'll see. Um, whoa. I f- Wait, let me make sure. Okay, no, 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 no. I want to make sure I, I didn't skip something. Love, Death, and Robots animated anthology series uh, wins primetime Emmy Award. And it actually just reminds me of uh, some news I totally forgot about another show, but that's fine. Uh, next week. Uh, the staff of the primetime Emmy Awards revealed the winners of the 74th annual awards across two nights on Saturday and Sunday. Um, I believe um, Chadwick Boseman positively won for What If?, uh, from what I've been seeing, uh, and, uh, and some other folks, but, um, let's see, love, death and robots, uh, animated anthology series, won uh, the outstanding short form animated program for a couple of its, uh, show for, for a couple of its episodes, the dual animated short from, uh, Luke from star Wars visions was also nominated in the same category. And, Apparently, that cowboy, that Netflix cowboy bebop was nominated for outstanding main title design, but Severance won the award. 
There you go. Now we're going to get into the anime corner. All right, first up in Anime Corner, JoJo's Bizarre Adventures, Stone Ocean launches new episodes uh, that you can watch on Netflix. Is that an exclusive thing for Netflix? I believe it is. Okay, I did not know that. So uh, Netflix's episode has released episodes 13 through 24. This marks the second episode drop of the series so far. Okay. Yeah, I want to say it is, but I'm actually not, not entirely sure. Um, so, because I haven't checked like Crunchyroll or wherever or wherever else for right, for it. right, right. Yeah, we don't have any we don't have any way to confirm this, but it sounds like this is a, 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 a be- an exclusive release. Yeah, I believe it is. Yeah. So, uh, and on that, um, apparently, Stone Ocean makes a major change uh, that some fans are not too thrilled about, and this happens to be in the form of a stand of one of the one of the villains has. If you know anything about JoJo's, one is bonkers. Two, at some point, they end up being stands. Two, let's just say, um, music is involved in, or referentially, music is involved. Uh, pretty much the whole way through, and one of the villains had a stand had a stand uh, whose name was a uh, a 2000s band, I, I guess, uh, in the original manga series, but I guess they changed it to something else for the, for the anime, which has some fans kind of upset. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I, I will leave that to folks to find that out for themselves. Anyway, next up. My Hero Academia Season 6. Is gearing up for a full war between the heroes and the villains, and the newest trailer for the anime shows off much of what's coming our way in the next slate of battles. So, season six kicks off uh, adapting the longest and most intense phase of Kohei Horikoshi's manga series, and it is set to premiere on October 1st in Japan and Crunchyroll has confirmed they will be streaming the new season alongside its release so can't wait folks it's coming very very soon Netflix is doing a live action Yu Yu Hakusho oh god um, this, uh, the trailer is in fact very, very entertaining I've watched this already have you okay cool cool um, next up Mob Cycle 100 season 3 promo readies for Mob's comeback um, it says here that uh, season three will see Mob entering a new era following his intense slate of battles in the second season of the series. While the mass of battles is only likely to get stronger from this point on, one of the major points of interest from the beginning is whether or not Mob himself would uh, be able to hold back all of his massive powers. Now the newest promo uh, falls in line with other character promos revealed uh, recently by hyping past adventures leading into new episodes. And of course, you know, you can check that out for yourself. If you're a fan of Mob Psycho 100, you probably already have two or three different times already. Next up. Sword Art Online, the movie announces a release date. So, uh, 
Sword Art Online, Progressive Sherzo of Deep Night. Wow, what a title. The second film in the Sword Art Online Progressive Film Series will be released in theaters throughout Japan on October 22nd. So that's interesting. It was originally scheduled to debut on September 10th, but they pushed it due to a COVID outbreak. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I guess, I mean, you know, the Sword Art Online, I think, is on my list. Pretty sure it's on my list. Oh, no. I uh, doubt that. (laughs) What's that? I said I kind of doubt that, actually. But I don't know. Maybe you're... you're No, I'm thinking of something else. Yeah, you might be. I don't think it's it's Sword Art Online, but I'm going to double check while... uh, I don't remember you mentioning that one. Yeah, it's on. Yeah, I'm I'm probably thinking of something else. But I'm going to double check. I'm looking over my list now. No, I do have it. Sword Art Online. It's number 35. Interesting. Okay. Someone put it on my. Someone mentioned it, so I put it down on my list. I know I probably have mentioned it, but I wouldn't have mentioned it to where it would be something that you would be interested in watching. Maybe somebody from your anime, your advisory panel. I don't yeah, know. yeah, no, I think so. Yeah, somebody else on my advisory panel, and and I made some recent additions to my anime list. There oh. is Heroic Disciple Kenichi, oh, okay. uh, Paranoia Agent. Oh, okay, all right. <laughs> Overlord. Okay. And the way of the house husband. Yes, way of the house husband is good. <laughs> okay, I will say that. I, actually, oh, I got to watch the uh, the second season or second part, whatever. Yeah, it's, it's pretty good. It's and it's real short too, because it's basically like you know a couple of minutes. Right. That was yeah. I was about to say that was recommended to me because uh, in part because it's short. Mm-hmm. Because now that I finished Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, I'm kind of looking to get into something else. I wasn't necessarily looking to jump into or try to jump back into Naruto. Right. So. You know, yeah. I was well, for I haven't I haven't I haven't chosen anything yet. I've been on a uh, like a week long break from right. anime, so we'll see what I choose next. We'll we'll talk after the show about uh, who your impressions then. Um, before Renéo, Dragon Ball Super superhero shows off Piccolo's hilarious new role. It's actually not hilarious. It's actually a role he's been doing probably the bulk of Super. Honestly, let's be, let's be yeah. real about this. So just, you know, but either way, um, basically, uh, everybody knows Piccolo is Gohan's real dad. Gohan's married to, to Vidal, had a kid named Pan, and now Piccolo is his uh, granddaughter, basically. And he, like I said, he's already pretty much been that role during the, throughout the bulk of uh, Super. So this is not necessarily that big of news, but I guess something in, right. in Super Superhero kind of. Right. Uh, I mean, Goku was that. dead for a while. Right. Well, even when he wasn't dead. <laughs> exactly. But he was dead for a while. So it should right. be no surprise to anyone that Piccolo is basically a stand in father for Gohan. Right. So and and has been all this time and like I said and, and now he is um added um Pan as his uh his grandfather grand grand kid which makes yeah. all the sense in the world. So yeah. Next up. Um sorry folks. I was just kind of going through to see if there's any spillover news. Um, oh no no, there isn't. Yeah, I was just checking. The official Twitter account for New York Comic Con announced on Friday, uh, on last Friday, that Viz Media will hold the North American premiere of Bleach, the Thousand Year Blood War, the television anime based on the Thousand Year Blood War arc of 
uh, Tite Kubo's Bleach manga on New York, uh, New York Comic Con on October 8th. New York Comic Con noted that the premiere event will be ahead of a simulcast of the anime. Of the anime. Okay. I am. I said this on Twitter, but I am very much debating about trying to catch up with uh, with with the uh, Bleach. Bleach. Yeah. How far behind are? Is it long? It's long. Yes. Um, uh, oh. Like Naruto, like Naruto ish kind of long, basically. That's pretty long. I was gonna say, well, you mean ish. the original Naruto or like including Naruto Shippuden and no, all that no. stuff? The original, original. Oh, okay. Uh, I can't remember how long it is, but it is, it is quite lengthy. Um, how far am I? I'm think I'm I'm a good ways in. I'm probably about a good fifty sixty episodes in. I think I stopped because of the the bounce uh, story arc is. Is, is a filler episode, a filler arc and it's not yeah it's all right but i i think that's where i stopped the, the last couple of times i, I tried to make a run at, uh, at bleach um so but anyway like i said i i, I may trick it take a run at it and try to uh catch up uh before this uh b- before this happens i got a month i could possibly do it <laughs> but we'll see we'll see fans and now we're going to go over to the manga corner, which is only honestly one, uh, one, one, uh, one thing. Um, oh, I'll take it. Sure. Um, Eldering, you know, I was about to say I was I, I was the one that read the last uh, anime corner. So go ahead. Oh, uh, Elden Ring gets an official manga, and it's a comedy. So Elden Ring is a video game a lot of folks like. It's basically one. Of, it's a Dark Souls type uh video game if you are in the know about that kind of stuff uh i believe elden ring was also i believe georgia r mountain has something to do with elden ring now that i think about it uh regardless um as reported by pc gamer there's a manga out and it is available for free online in 12 languages and published from from software um from software's parent company uh katakawa it follows Asiya, a wretched tarnished, uh, as he navigates the weird and wonderful world of the lands between. If you don't know what Elden Rings is, none of that makes any sense. I kind of know what it means, what it means, and I still don't know what the hell I was talking about because I never played the game because I don't like those games. Regardless, it's out there for you Elden Rings fans, and I know there's a lot of you out there. <laughs> and now we're going to go over to the uh, comic book corner or uh, comic book news. Meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice. Right, so a new Sandman comic pits the Corinthian against the angel who invented Mormonism. Interesting. So, yeah, for for people who have watched uh, uh, the Sandman TV show, have you watched it yet, Roddy Cat? No, not yet. So it's well worth watching. What I've been told from, and, and I've talked about this on the show before, what I've been told from uh, fans of the original comic book who were friends of mine who uh, basically relayed to me that it's not necessarily worth going back to read the comics because the TV show does a very good job of bringing the comics up to date and, and modernizing a lot of the story so that it reads better and so that it, 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 it is interpreted easier from the eyes of 2022 as opposed to 1987 or 88. So um, one of the characters that has proven to be a big hit is the Corinthian. And now there is um, a story in, uh, I guess, 
I'm looking for the title. I'm, I'm trying to read through this. It's not the it's not an easy article to get through. But I guess there's a book called Sandman Nightmare Country. Sandman Nightmare Country, and it focuses on uh, has has now has put a spotlight on the Corinthian character. And if uh, if you're looking to catch up with where the character might be now, go out and check out that limited series. And do it while you're sitting on some rich Corinthian leather. Oh no! <laughs> Which I recognize as a as a joke only a certain vintage would know. <laughs> <laughs> DC's latest anthology highlights why Super Sons and Gotham Academy needs to come back. Uh, this is spoilers for uh, a couple of um, uh, a couple of stories in DC's Saved by the Bell Rev um, book, which is out. It just came out last week. Last week, yeah. yeah. Actually, honestly, I meant to take this out of here, um, but nevertheless, I, I yeah. Apparently, um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, the stories of Gotham Academy sophomore year and back to school um, basically highlight Gotham Academy and the Super Sons. And I guess uh, this article is gushing over that because they like both of those two series. So, which actually, to be fair, Gotham Academy was actually not bad. Uh, I don't think I read too much of uh, Super Sons. So, sure, why not? Next up. So the Flash has his work cut out for him next year, 2023, as he goes up against an entire army within the span of a minute, all while his book begins publishing on a twice-monthly schedule? Mm. Wow. That's a lot of Flash. It is. Is it in advance of the uh, ill-fated Flashpoint movie? Is that why they're trying to push the Flash? I, I doubt it. And I don't but it's weird is... that they'd be going twice twice a month. Mm. I mean, Flash is pretty popular. I mean, I think what um, what um, what's his name? Who's who's currently writing? Um, Jeremy Adams? No, I don't think he's current writer. Uh, but this is the character. This is right. the I guess one of the people who's working on this bi monthly book. Oh, you know, or, when, it, when it goes twice a month, that is. Or maybe he is, because maybe who, who just got off of the Flashbook. Because I can't, his name is escaping me right now. Did a, supposedly did a pretty good run. So, Williamson. Yeah, Joshua Williamson. Williamson. There you go. Thank you. Yeah, I, but he's been off for a while now because he's been doing other stuff. Correct. So, right. but yeah, which, but I'm which, not sure. Which circles, wait, which brings me back to my original point. Right. Which is that, you know, I'm wondering if they're, if they're <clears> trying to push the Flash in advance of, again, that ill-fated movie. Who knows? Maybe you might could be you might be onto something, or who knows? I don't know. Doesn't yeah. make any sense one way or the other. Exactly. So, but nevertheless, here we are. Um, pink. Next up, DC's Flashpoint Beyond reveals the Mandela Effect's secret origin. Apparently, um, so it says. The real-life memory-tricking phenomenon known as the Mandela Effect has an intriguing sci-fi vibe to it, and DC has given the curious notion uh, its very own origin, tying it to one of the publisher's own cre- uh, crisis-level events, as revealed in uh, Flashpoint Beyond. Uh, Flashpoint Beyond 5, to be specific, by Jeff Johns, Tim Sheridan, uh, Jeremy Ar- Adams, uh, Zero Monaco, and Mikhail Janin. 
features an explanation as provided by the Time Masters historian Bonnie Baxter, who cites a zero ice, a zero hour crisis in time event in reference to the phenomenon. Quote, uh, those that travel through time are painfully aware when history is rewritten. Baxter explains to television host Angela Chin, uh, but everyone else also ends up with a vague regulation of the, of a past that isn't theirs anymore. So, um, and apparently then this article kind of goes into, um, the explanation of, um, of, of what, uh, that, what basically happens in that or building up to, uh, how they got to that point with this in that we won't be going into that though. Next up. Flashpoint beyond goodness. Rion reveals the smartest woman in the DC universe. Uh, DC reveals that in this issue, a preview for the miniseries fifth issue by writer Jeff Johns, Tim Sheridan, Jeremy Adams with artists Hermanico and Mikhail Jan. And so I think this book came out this week, right? This is, uh, this is the same issue that I think I was just talking about. Yeah. Flashpoint number five, right? I believe so. Right, I think they also there's a there, I saw a story where they actually uh, attempted they they claim to have revealed the Joker's real name in this book. Oh no, yeah. So, but apparently this character, uh, Bonnie Baxter, mm-hmm. is the is the is the uh, is the character that is the smartest. She's the third smartest person on the. Or no, she's the. Uh, She's the smartest woman on the planet. Right. And this is the same Bonnie Baxter who is apparently associated with the Time Masters. Excuse me. Right. And my my response to this is... uh, Where are you? Where is Korath? Where'd you go? There you are. Who? Thank you. <laughs> That's what I get for rearranging my uh, my soundboard, folks. As Roddy Cat uh, basically is uh, uh, coughing up a lung, I am going to cover for him and go on to the next story. Uh, let's see here. Our next story is... DC teases a major Justice League related pregnancy. Oh God! So, uh, the Flash 2022 annual number one from last week hints that Wally West's wife Linda Park may be pregnant, which would make the Flash the only member of the Justice League currently about to have a baby. Best laid plans written by Jeremy Adams, so I guess he is the current Flash writer, and penciled by Serge Acuna. Sees Linda and Wally coming to terms with her newfound speedster abilities. She has speedster abilities now, which strangely manifested in the Flash number seven seven nine, and are <clears> still <throat> unexplained. And now she's uh, preggers. Right. So okay. So which I guess makes their third because then they already have two. So, but I don't know. Uh, yeah. So there I you don't go. Know. <coughs> Excuse me, folks. <coughs> I was about to say I'll keep going. Give you a chance to re- to, to take was- a break. Try to go uh, for it. Um, all right, let's see here. Batman's deadly new villain was created by spoiler alert. 
Oh, this is about this week's uh, Batman number 127. So I'm not going to spoil it because I didn't talk about it uh, enough. But it is the character Failsafe. And um, basically it was created to take out Batman. And I won't say who creates it, but if you think well and think a little hard about, um, uh, 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 you know, who might be able to do that, you might be able to come up with a very short list. And the person is probably that you're thinking of is probably on it. The I person who actually did, who did it is in, actually on that short list. I don't think I know who this character is. Failsafe is a new character. No, no, I know that, but I mean the the creator of. <laughs> I just think hard about it. You know, think of think of who would be capable of creating a fail safe in case Batman goes. You know, in case Batman needs to be taken down. That's all I have to say. Yeah, I mean, I can think of somebody, but I don't remember that name. So I guess if it is that person, then it's I don't a new, know yeah, it's that. a new creation. Gotcha. It's a new creation. Okay. All right, next up, uh, <clears throat> let's see here. DC celebrates Batman Day with free comics and a full-length <clears throat> podcast. What's a short podcast? We don't know what that is. We only do full-length podcasts here, folks. So DC <clears throat> is celebrating Batman Day. I'm sorry to make Roddy Cat laugh and cough up more of his lungs. DC is celebrating Batman Day later this month by releasing free comics and the entirety of Batman, the, the audio adventures for a season. On September 17th, DC will celebrate Batman Day by providing fans with free comics at participating comic book shops. Titles available include Batman Hush Number 1, Batman Day Special by Jeff Loeb and Jim Lee, and Batman's Mystery Casebook Batman's Day Special Edition by writer Charlie Fish and artist Christopher Uminga. Uh, let's see here. Scrolling. Let's see if there's anything interesting here. We all know what happened in Hush. The Batman Mystery Casebook Batman Day Special Edition is a preview of Fish and Uminga's graphic novel for middle grade readers age 8 to 12. So it's a different taste than Hush. Hush's classic DC stuff and Jim Lee art. So let's see here. Oh, to further, to further celebrate Batman Day, as I mentioned earlier, DC has also released the first season of Batman The Audio Adventures on all podcast platforms. This was previously available exclusively on HBO Max. Batman The Audio Adventures is written and directed by Dennis McNicholas and features a vocal cast which includes the Batman's Jeffrey Wright, the book of Boba Fett's Rosario Dawson, Spawn's John Leguizamo, Seth Meyers, Chris Parnell, Bobby Moynihan, a bunch of SNL people, and more. Mm -hmm. The story follows Batman after he decides to hang up his cape and cowl and become a Gotham City employee. Uh... All while some of his worst villains are plotting sinister plans of their own. Okay. Batman The Audio Adventures has been renewed for a second season, which will premiere later this fall. DC has also <clears> announced <throat> that Batman The Audio Adventures is getting a limited series comic tie-in from Anthony Marquez and Dennis McNicholas, which launches on September 27th. That is a mouthful for Batman Day. Indeed. I think I'm all right. Um, so I can take this. All right. Time. Go ahead. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, sabotage, I'll tell you folks, I don't know what the hell happened there. Uh, Batman Hush's 20th anniversary edition hardcover to include brand new story from Jim Lee, if I'm not mistaken. Um, excuse me. <clears throat> oh, wait, no, let's see. 
Um, yeah, 20th anniversary of Hush, anniversary edition reunites original writer Jeff Loeb and artist Jim Lee for a five-page story set after the events of 2003's Batman uh, 619. DC is keeping the exact plot of the story under wraps, but uh, apparently IGN has a couple panels from the story that you can check out and speculate. I've never read Hush. <clears throat> so... I don't know anything that happened in the story, but I heard people like it. So go forth, folks. Next up. Rocksteady celebrates Harley Quinn's 30th and women in gaming with Amanda Connor art. Okay. So this art was shared by Rocksteady Studios in celebration of the character's 30th anniversary and the ongoing Women in Games Global Festival. And as I said, it was drawn by Amanda Connor, who has illustrated Harley regularly since 2014. The illustration shows the character sitting atop her teammates Deadshot, Captain Boomerang, and King Shark with a, with a, I guess a controller in hand? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah, <clears throat> this is what I was alluding to earlier because just like Batman the Anime Series, Harley Quinn, which came out of that uh, 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 show, is also 30 years old. Hmm. Um, so, yeah. Uh, McFarlane Toys unveils new Gorilla Grodd mega figure, figure, figure. It's posted on McFarlane's Toys uh, Instagram. The new Gorilla Grodd mega figure comes with a Flash comic book exclusive to the Page Punchers line. A collectible art card and a base for the figure to stand in. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. The description on McFarlane Toys website further reads: Mega figs are large uh, figures to match their seven-inch scale figure counterparts, based off of the DC multiverse. Uh, designed with ultra articulation, with up to twenty-two moving parts for full range of posing and play. Uh, if you're watching the the uh, video version of the program, you can see said picture, uh, said Instagram post with uh, the Grodd figure, and I guess the the comic book that is coming along with it, uh, on your screen right now. Okay, next up. Interestingly, I did see something that Todd <clears throat> McFarlane posted on social media today, which is that he's going to be at D23. And he's going to be signing. And McFarlane Toys is going to be at D23. So I'm curious to see what they announce. Interesting. Also, uh, pre-orders are available right now. And it's $39.99. And it'll be really, uh, available later this year. So, All yeah. right. Next up, Renegade Game Studios continues to release new additions to both its Heroes of the Grid series and its Power Rangers role-playing game. But its latest reveal is perfect for both, and it's something that will delight longtime fans. That is the new Power Rangers Zordon Dice Tower, which turns Zordon's iconic floating head in a tube look and transforms the tube into a 9-inch dice tower that can be used in both sets of games. Plus, it has a double-sided panel styled like the command center on one side and featuring G... Uh, Game Master tips on the other. You can pre-order the Zordon Dice Tower on this page. Uh, okay. Hey, it's 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 an interesting looking piece, <clears throat> I, I would say. Uh, Nick Fury's Secret Invasion look revealed by NYCC Fungal Pop, apparently. So, uh says here, Nick Fury will be sporting a new look when Secret Invasion debuts next year, and a Fungal Pop gives a glimpse to his change. Um... 
So I'm just, if you're watching the video version, again, you can see the, uh, the picture of the Funko Pop in question with his coat and green jeans and green pants and, and, and shoes. And I guess his, uh, non eye patch wearing, uh, eye. So the limited edition secret invasion Funko Pop is for New York Comic Con, which takes place, uh, October 6th through the 9th. Uh, oh yeah. And a beanie, of course. So <clears throat> I believe it says here that, uh, it is an October themed fright mayor on fun street campaign, uh, from Funko. I'm sitting here looking for the price of this, which is probably eleven ninety nine, more than likely, because that's usually what those things run. But I am not seeing that price, so we'll just go with that until we have something else. Next up. So She-Hulk Attorney at Law, the Disney Plus show, has been, <clears throat> uh, you know, in, in conjunction with it, Funko has been releasing pops pop figures that have been based on the show the latest one being of wong and he also comes with a portal and it looks pretty cool pre-orders for the she-hulk wong funko pop are live now and you can have it for 11.99 yeah there's also well and apparently it must be straight out of uh, this current episode given what he's got in his hands also because i'm pretty sure he hasn't uh, had anything like that before now or at least before now in Shiok, I should say. Um, but yeah, there's an Abomination um, Funko Pop and also one for Jen Walters, uh, Smart Hulk, and Ginger. Uh, so there you go. <clears throat> Doctor Doom getting a powerful level up during Marvel's Fortnite War, which I can't believe this thing is still going on, but yeah. Um, so, and this is spoilers for Fortnite times uh, Marvel Zero War number four. Which, again, is out. I believe it might have come out like last week or something. I don't know. Uh, let's see. Hey, guess what? It's Dr. Doom. He gets more power. <laughs> is that really a big surprise to anyone in any in any way, shape, or form? And apparently he's doing this in, in that uh, Fortnite crossover, so I'm not gonna even going to go into that whole uh, business. It feels like, a it, from what I've read of this thing, though, it seems like another Secret Wars, but just in another another parallel universe or something i don't know that fortnite is a weird thing anyway next up all right so this story has some spoilers for knights of x number five which came out last week and i did not read this did you no i did not Mm -mm. so apparently captain britain uh aka betsy braddock finally brought an end to merlin's reign of terror in the most permanent way possible so i'm just going to leave it at that because that's pretty shocking. Yeah, from I remember, I was reading this and then I kind of fell off for the last few issues, but I'm um, I will definitely end up going checking it out and see what happened. Okay. Uh, Ghost Rider prom- Rider promises a major role for Wolverine in the series, which is what we alluded to earlier. Um, right. Uh, to when we were talking about books, so uh, Ghost Rider Six just came out, so. Um, <clears throat> Benjamin Percy basically says that the X-Men character will continue to play into the series even beyond that. Uh, In this uh, this interview with CBR, he was asked about uh, Wolverine's presence in in the Ghost Rider book and what made him want to write a Johnny Blaze Logan team-up. 
and he says, and I quote, I wanted Ghost Rider to feel abandoned at first, Percy answered. Uh, he's been gone for a long time, and nobody came looking for him, except uh, we learned Zeb the magician. So he has a loner sensibility to kick off a, uh, the series, which, to be fair, he's kind of had that already, <laughs> well before now, and acts like a wandering ronin. <clears throat> Uh, but yada yada yada. The CCC uh, said uh, he's going to bring in other, <coughs> me, other players in the six one six, and since he's also writing Wolverine, you know, <coughs> excuse me, that plays into things. And I'm going to start talking for a second. Next up, sure. I was about to say I might read the next few just to keep things moving. Spider Man 2099 Green Goblin undergoes a massive transformation. This is a part of an official preview for Marvel's Spider-Man 2099 Exodus Omega number one. So it's going to begin. Um, actually, it was this is uh, Exodus Omega number one was set this to week. hit comic book shops this week. Yeah, I did not read this. Um, okay. So yeah, so something big happens to uh, the Green Goblin this week. In Spider-Man 2099, at least in the 2099 version. So let's not spoil that. Next up, uh, let's see. Ms. Marvel joins Spider-Man and the X-Men Dark Web crossover. So that makes a lot of sense. This story is actually written by our very own at TimDog98. Um, Dark Web was officially announced at San Diego Comic-Con and was teased in the free comic book day 2022 Spider-Man Venom number one when Madeline Pryor met up with Peter Parker's clone Ben Riley, now going by the villainous alias Chasm. So there will be several tie-ins to Dark Web among the Spider-Man and X-Men family of titles, including Ms. Marvel, who is a new intern at Oscorp, where Peter Parker is also working with his longtime nemesis, Norman Osborn. If you've been reading the latest Amazing Spider-Man, you know this already. Dark Web Ms. Marvel is a two-issue limited series from writer Sabir Pirzada and artist Francesco Mortarino. So it's interesting that they're going to continue putting out miniseries involving Kamala Khan, but have not yet settled on putting out a, uh, an ongoing series with the character. I personally wonder if it's because they're not sure how to deal with the change in her power set. Maybe they're uh, trying to figure out how to uh, arrange that and MCUify the character in the regular comic book universe. Right. Um, I got this next one. I think I'm all right. Sure. I was about to say, just let me know and I'll carry on. Sure. Miss, oh no, Marvel's Miracle Man will explore the character's youth and introduce a new villain. Um, so Marvel Comics has revealed new details regarding the long-awaited return of Miracle Man. Uh, as a matter of fact, I will go so far as to say that there, this uh, week's batch of books have variant covers with Miracle Man on them, if, if you are so inclined for that stuff. Uh, but announced back in June, Neil Gaiman and Mark Buckingham, the creative team behind Miracle Man The Golden Age, are collaborating on Miracle Man Zero, which is set to hit comic book shops on October the 5th. <clears throat> From Marvel, the legendary uh, comic book creator, uh, current owner. Well, I just said that. I don't know why you even repeated that. Uh, let's see. Also, there's going to be um, Miracle Man, the Silver Age from the same creative team. And they will finally revisit, revisit their unfinished Miracle Man epic. So, there you go. And this this story goes on to... Uh, talk about other uh, stories 
that award that involved Miracle Man, uh, such as well, I'm not going to read it, but there's there's basically um, other stories with other creative teams that's going to come along uh, at this time in um, just like Miracle Man Zero. So next up. Alrighty, this next article is an interview with Frank J. Barbieri, and uh, it's really an interview, but it's uh, it, the lead-in is that um, his series, Astonishing Times, written by himself and Aris Quinones, artist, and, and, and worked on by artist uh, Ruari, Ruari? I, I forgive me, uh, Ruari Coleman, colorist Lauren Aff, Affy, and letterer Taylor Esposito and designer Dylan Todd um, created that uh, Astonishing Times book. The series was originally released as a Comicsology original, but is about to be collected in print by Dark Horse Comics for the reader who would prefer to hold a physical copy. I'm looking for a date on when that's going to be available, but this article is... is a nice little... Um, oh, I see it at the end. Astonishing Times week. Volume 1 is due out on Wednesday this week, September right. 7th, from Dark Horse Comics. So this is a timely interview. Right. Um, creator first platform Zest World enters phase two with new comics and new creators. So it says here that uh, Zest World is in a new open beta phase. And along with free comics, new creators and an updated design, the new phase will also allow subscribers early access to titles, behind the scenes reveals, access to invite only events, virtual drawing sessions, the chance to have their likeness featured in an upcoming comic title, and more. Uh, says that we've been spent. We've spent the last several months testing, learning, and iterating alongside our fantastic launch creators, while we build Zest World into a into the premier creator-owned vertical scroll comics platform. So basically, like webtoons and and um, and the like. It says Zest World CEO and co-founder uh, Chris Gilberti. All the while, our creator uh, waitlist has grown to encompass hundreds of the leading names in the industry. Uh, we're delighted to emerge from closed beta and welcome new creators in waves. Next up, Dave Marquez, Liana Kangas, and Bill Walco, among others, will join us to publish comics, fulfill commissions, and build their communities through Zest World. Um, so this is the first time I've actually heard of this uh, platform. So more power to them, I guess. Um, but yeah. Anyway, if you want more information, go to ZestWorld.com to check out what they got going on there. Next up. Usagi Yojimbo creator Stan Sakai is launching an imprint at Dark Horse Comics entitled Dogu Publishing. He says he's very excited, honored, and thankful to have his own publishing imprint with Dark Horse. As the sole creator and owner of Usagi Yojimbo, he adds, this is a significant milestone. So... Uh, reading, reading, reading. Uh, yeah, so he's he's definitely crediting uh, some of the lead people at Dark Horse for uh, helping him. And he has a new team at Dogu Publishing, CEO Jeremiah Blank, COO Julie Sakai, and President Daniel Fuji. Uh, Sakai said Fuji was critical when it came to working on the deal with Netflix that led to Samurai Rabbit, the Usagi Chronicles, an animated series that features characters inspired by Usagi Yojimbo. Okay, Julie Sakai is his wife. Is Stan Sakai's wife, that is. 
And she'll be working on more chibi Usagi stories for Dogu Publishing, which would be colored by Emi Fuji, her daughter. Okay. Keeping it in the family, Stan. Good job. Interestingly, the creator-owned Usagi Yojimbo series is currently published by IDW. But it looks like uh, Stan is now being welcomed back to the company, so we'll see if Usagi Yojimbo goes back to Dark Horse eventually, because Usagi Yojimbo has jumped around publishers for a while. Yes. And I believe that is it for comic book news. That is. Let's get one more ad read, please. Sure. Our last ad read of the night, because we've been up for a long time, is for Amazon. Help us keep our podcast free by shopping at Amazon. Visit cspn.us and click the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down and click on the Amazon link to shop. Purchase items from Amazon as you normally would, whether it's books, music, electronics, jewelry, apparel, or Marvel Legends. For every purchase made on Amazon through our link, Amazon sends the CSPN a payment that helps us keep the Comic Book Chronicles podcast free for our listeners at no extra cost to you. Amazon.com through cspn.us. Do it today. And I think you have a special delivery package this week, Roddy Cat. I did. I'm not sure. I just opened it. I'm not sure if I should open. I mean, if I should say what it is or not. Did you get it? No, I did not get one. I think what happens is if you don't speak up and say I want something, he doesn't give it to, give you uh, send you one. What else is it? I don't remember asking for this. Well, I mean, don't then he likes you better. Stop it! <laughs> that is you know getting away. That's not true. No, I'm not. This is actually, well since we brought it up. Um, I'm not sure what this is. Um, <clears throat> it's uh, it, it, it's it's at Matt Wang ninety seven. Uh, uh, basically cleaning out some of the cool things that he has in his office. Which, uh, as, I, as I told my wife, it's like, yeah, it could be that or it could be something he, he came across. Um, it's... Hold on a second. Sorry, folks. Um, we need to get Roddy Cat a utility knife. I actually have one, uh, but I, forget, yeah. I left it in the other room. Uh, <laughs> of course. So I'm going to... Roddy Cat my... needs to have a blade on him at all times, damn it! <laughs> Hey, I'm in the South. You don't... You know, never mind, let me shut up. Um, no, I don't have guns. We have blades up here. Yeah, that's um, what I, was, I was about to say something to that effect, but I was like, yeah, you know what? Let me <laughs> shut up. <laughs> I, 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 I'm going to not say what I was about to say, but uh, nevertheless, I'm going to... Let me see something here. I'm going to mute myself real quick while I get this last pet. That's so out. funny. That is so, so funny. Oh, boy. What are you going to do, folks? What are you going to do? Awesome. Wow. Oh, you know what? We do have a, a sound effect for this. And I think I have it, like, shuffled off to the second page of my sound effects. Where, oh, where did I put this sound effect? Oh, where, oh, where oh. could it be? Oh, my God. What did I do with it? Did I really get rid of it? Oh, no. Did I really get rid of it? That's impossible. I must have put it down here. Oh, here it is. It's still on my first page. Oh, what's in the box? Thank you. There we go. Uh, let me see. Hopefully this is going to play. It's not going to play. Um, oh, wow. That looks yeah. like a big box. It is a big box. <laughs> so I'm, okay. I'm going to do something unprecedented here. Uh... He's going to drop his virtual background. I really hate to do that, but I am... Um, cause it's, it's a holy hell of a mess back here. So 
No one's going to notice. Oh, yes, they will. <laughs> so bear with me for a second while I do set that. Uh, da, 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 and blap. There we go. No one's going to notice. Oh, yes. They wow. So, yeah. Uh, this thing is called, it says Claustrophobia 1643. I don't know if you did, probably doesn't play well. Holy cow, that thing is gigantic. Is that a board game? It looks like it, because it says at the bottom, um, it's from Monolith Board Game LLC. Wow. Um, So, but yeah, this look at this shit. (laughs) That's gigantic, yo. That's why you got it because you're the board game aficionado of the uh, uh, of the comic book chronicles. Well, yeah, that is. I guess that's true now. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I was like, sure about that's true that's, now. It has been true. I mean, yeah. So looks like I have to see if that because the normal ring lights fucking with it. Uh, so let me turn this. It's okay. It looks fine, even with the ring light reflection. That's pretty cool. Wow. What's the the game? What's the story? Is there anything on the uh, box that that tells you what it's about? There is nothing on the box that says anything about it outside of the box. Oh, (laughs) wow. Like, it's it's just the name of it and... Like I said, uh... Oh, wait. Let me see. Uh, Nope. Nothing on that side. Nothing on the front and back. Nope. That's pretty much that. Like, even on the bottom, it just says... Um... Oh, no. It's just, um... And that's in French, and my French is terrible, so that's just a, a danger warning. <laughs> wow, I'm impressed, parts. man. I'm going to definitely shoot uh, at Matt Wang 97 a DM or a text and be like, hey, man, don't send me anything that big. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm going to have Roddy Cat cough up another lung. Oh, man. What remains of his lungs are about to be coughed up. Yeah, I don't even know why I'm coughing so much now. This is ridiculous. Oh, yeah, I have, to, I have to properly thank him because I, I, I think I did shot, uh, send out a... Um, I think I put it on Instagram that I got the box, but it was like, I don't know what this is. That's so a gigantic play. box. It is. It's was that the it. only thing in that box? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that was it. It's, that's just, oh, it's, wow. I think it's, it's gigantic. Heavy so, there is, so this joint is... Um, <laughs> you got listen. You got to let us know, you know, like what's in it. You know, if there's anything cool inside. Yeah, you know, you should definitely pack a box cutter in your in your home office now <laughs> in your pot near podcast setup just so, for this type of situation. Yeah, well, normally I would have opened it up before I did. Well, I opened it up part of, it, but I didn't see the. I didn't. I you know, didn't open. It I have. I have an old. Uh, kind of Oops. messed up Swiss Army knife just for that occasion here in my home office desk. You know. All right. So, uh, but I, oh, I didn't even put over, hold on a second, I didn't, there we go, um, <clears throat> I didn't switch the, the thing, so folks could actually see it. Yeah, you did. Oh, but you no, mean the I didn't view. switch, yeah, I didn't switch it in, in, in scripts, so I'll just do this, like, right Oh, now. I saw it, oh. Yeah, no, you saw it, but, uh, but folks out there didn't get a, didn't get a, full of it so there it is look at that folks look at that box art that's the back that's impressive and this thing what's it called um claustrophobia 1643 all right to the googles we go yeah no i'm gonna look it up on the board game site and see what's claustrophobia and like i said this thing's a little heavy too (laughs) it's got some stuff to it 43 board game oh my goodness so thank you to. Oh, it's a phone. miniatures. Okay, go ahead. Finish up. I oh, know. Go ahead. Hit it. 
No, no, no. You're gonna say thank you to at Matt Wang ninety seven. Yeah, I was gonna say uh, thanks, uh, Matt Wang ninety seven. I will definitely shoot you an email uh, or a seat or, or a text before you get before you hear this. Anyway, but <laughs> but I do appreciate it. Wow, so it's a miniatures based survival game set within the catacombs. So that explains why it's so he- big and heavy because okay. there are miniatures in there. Right. The box contains miniatures which are placed on large tiles showing the dungeon spaces. Also included are character dashboards, counters, and markers and dice. One player controls a small group of determined humans while the other plays an almost unending army of demonic creatures. The game is thematic and highly asymmetric. Human characters are stronger, but the demon characters are more numerous. Gameplay is straightforward with a minimum of rules, and each game plays in an hour or less. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. So you That's... just need one other person to play. <laughs> That's well, pretty cool. Good luck for me finding that. Um, oh, please. You, can get, you can get a family member to play with you because this sounds like there's not, you know, it's not that, it's not like D&D. That's pretty cool. So I'm going to send Roddy Cat a link to, this is BoardGameGeek.com's uh, yeah, write-up. I was going to look there, actually. So you saved me some trouble. Thank you. All right, so I have the link, and I'll be uh, I'll be sending that over to Roddy Cat. We'll, we'll go over that uh, while we uh, process the show um, before we log off for the night. But yeah, that's pretty cool. Thanks, yeah, at Matt Wang ninety seven. Yeah, thank you very much for that. That's I. This is dope. I like. I don't even know. I haven't even seen the insides of it. But that that whole that's that's pretty great. <laughs> that's the, you know that looks you know it has a, it has a good rating. It's rated eight point oh. I'm assuming that's out of ten. I would think so. You normally, yeah, out of from from them, yeah, I think so. So okay, but yeah, like I said, I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna have to to. Oh yeah. I'm going to check you gotta crack that sucker open. <laughs> See if I could torture the wife with it. Like, hey, there what? you go. <laughs> there you go. So, at that rate, um, let wait. Did we do an uh and a last ad rate? Yes, we did it. Amazon. Okay, cool. Well, in that case, um, we're going to end the show. So I have been Roddy Cat. You can find me at Roddy Cat on Twitter. You can find me at News News Need on Twitter. You can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. Uh, Agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. PCN underscore dirt on Twitter. PopCultureNet on Twitter. PopCultureNetwork.com is on broad sites therein. Uh, Tim, D-O-G-G-9-8 on Twitter. Uh, uh, CB Cron on Twitter, which is the Combo Chronicles uh, uh, Twitter account. Uh, the Click Nation on Twitter. That's T H E K L I Q N A T I O N, all one word, um, on Twitter. And also, <clears throat> excuse me, comicbook.com, where he's over there writing his face off. Uh, you can find this here podcast on the Coastal of the Podcast Network. That's CSPN.us. Do it today. You can also find us on your podcast browser place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coastal of the Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. Make sure to hit like and subscribe and leave us all the five-star reviews that are good. Yes. Uh, you can find us recording here every Thursday night, 9.30-ish p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the, the YouTube channel of The Click Nation. That's youtube.com slash The Click Nation. And the twitch.tv slash comic book chronicles. Make sure to hit like and subscribe and hit the notification button so that you know when we are online and broadcasting. Yes, indeed. 
And with that, uh, I apologize for the for the coughing fit I had earlier this week, uh, earlier in our program. I have no idea what happened with that. Um, but we will be back next week, um, all fit and fiddle and all that kind of good mess, with another episode of uh, She Hulk and whatever else we we plan on talking about, and likely some D twenty three news. Because uh, yes, that's... more likely than not, yes. there's already rumors of some <clears throat> fantastic forecasting out there, but we will see if those are confirmed this weekend. Yep, yep. So come back with us next week for it, folks. With that, this has been the Cumber Chronicles. Peace. Peace one. And knowing is half the battle.